to submit a story, topic, or have any other inquiries, please email submit at skibanewsnation.com. Also, you can email Jeremiah Skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com. Also, email Jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com. If you want to write us a letter, send us something, help support us, or just say hi, please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. You can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth. Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Skiba News Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcasts on your favorite podcast platform. what it costs. I want to know what the truth is. And I hope that people, my son, anybody, if my name comes up, whether you like me, whether you agree with me or not, at least you can respect the fact that he's on a quest for truth. He's on a quest for truth. Welcome to Skiba News Nation. Bringing you unfiltered views, news, interviews, discussions, and more. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Skiba, award-winning musician and son of Rob Skiba. Hey Skiba News Nation family, welcome to episode 43 of Skiba News Nation, your weekly source of the latest news, controversial topics, conspiracies, forgotten history, and much more. I'm your host, Jeremiah Skiba, and today we're going to be talking about God's Hebrew Calendar, Prophetic Signs of President Trump, Joe Rogan Interviews Trump Generated by AI, Pfizer Documents Expose How Dark Big Pharma Truly Is, Tell Your Friends Kim Trails Are Real. We have the proof. BRICS nations plan joint currency backed by gold. Bud Light salesman claims nobody wants to buy their products anymore. An all new Opus Corner. And for history, we're gonna be talking about the true story of Charles Manson. And was Charles Manson a beach boy? Memes and much more, so stay tuned. As always, I'd like to introduce my great and insightful co-host, Jake Grant. Welcome, Jake, how are you? I'm doing great. We just had 10 puppies. My Great Dane Doberman mix had a awesome litter yesterday. My first time having puppies since I was like a kid, I think. So I'm like a, a kid in a like a puppy shop, right? <laughs> you can call me the Doug Father. The Doug Father, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm so excited. Uh, my, my daughters are going to have a blast uh, having these puppies at our house for the next couple weeks. So uh, awesome. pretty excited about that. And we just... Just got done with the Passover feast season, and uh, that was a blast, too, getting to camp out and hang out with a bunch of people, and lots of food, and dancing and singing, and uh, that was a blast as well. Sounds fun. 
All right, well, I know we got a great show today. You ready to dive right in? Let's do it. Let's dive right in. Alrighty, to start us off this week, I wanted to share some uh, really interesting pictures, uh, some concepts that I think are fascinating. This says, bring back the front porch. And it was from author Philip Gulley from Porch Talk. And it says, I believe all that is wrong with the world can be attributed to the shortage of front porches and the talks we had on them. Somewhere around the 1950s, builders left off the front porch to save money, and we've had nothing but problems ever since. <laughs> and uh, just to break this down for you guys, now we live in a patio society where everyone's kind of hidden and nestled away back behind their house, kind of keeping to themselves, leaving behind the society of the 1950s where everybody would sit on their front porch and face out into the world, you know you know, metaphorically facing the world's problems, uh, facing their neighbors, facing the world out there. And instead we've kind of transitioned to patio culture, right? Where everybody's hiding in their backyard. Nobody wants to talk to one another. Nobody wants to interact. Nobody has their eyes set forward on the problems that the world is presenting before us. Uh, and, uh, instead we're focused on looking back into our backyard or, or looking on, you know, in, in the material sense, looking on only the things we own and, and not out into the world and interacting with our neighbors is one big thing I think could be affected by this concept. And uh, it's just interesting. You know, I think it's funny. Maybe not all of the world's <laughs> issues, but this theory that because we don't sit on our front porch anymore and get to know the world out there and have those long, deep conversations and discussions that, that the people back in the 1950s have uh, perhaps does... Uh, contribute some to our issues in today's society <laughs> maybe <laughs> i miss the front porch and uh another one since we're kind of having a nostalgic throwback a hundred years ago this is what a father would say to a son you are going to be a farmer too and the son would say okay dad nowadays this is what a father says to a son i didn't give you any valuable skills or inheritance for your future but you can always get a hundred thousand dollar unforgivable loan to be educated on your passions that i did nothing to encourage in you as a child so go ahead and become a debt slave to the system <laughs> i mean this is the model guys this is how uh our society kind of has been set up and i really i i really lean heavily towards family units building together I think we're all convinced once we turn 18 by our culture today that you need to move away from home, build your own empire, you know, work really hard so you can have your own house and your own car and su support your own family, which is in a way honorable, right? It, you know, it puffs up your, your self-pride because you've made it on your own. But at the same time, it's a, a conspiracy to weaken the family unit and I, I'm more fond of kind of the, the Filipino or uh, South American mindset where people gr grow together as a family and you have the older generation, the grandparents, 
being able to stay at home and, and sow wisdom into their children and, and to their grandkids and be able to watch them, school them, the family all contributing to uh, you know, the, the, the wisdom and the schooling of the kids while the parents can go out and work and everybody supports each other. Uh, but the problem is, is everybody gets their toes stepped on. Nobody wants to live near somebody that can actually call them into check. You know, everybody has to have their own, you know, little private thing. Uh, because if you live with other people, sometimes you can bump each other the wrong way. But at the same time, you know, I think it's a conspiracy to weaken the American family so that we can't progress. We can't build these mighty empires of of families that can take over society and and uh, do really prosperous things because we're all struggling on our own. And uh, that that meme was pretty good. But however, just remember, just because you're struggling does not mean you're failing. A lot of people have different scenarios and situations that they fall into. And so it's important to remind yourself you're doing the best you can. And if you're not doing the best you can, pick yourself back up. And despite all the crazy things in the world, we have to be prosperous. And when we're in this crazy world of agendas and indoctrination and all the things that are levied against us, whether it be attacks on our health, attacks on our identity, attacks on our culture, attacks on our faith, we have to still prosper in the hardship. You know, let's let's be that flower that grows through the cracks. You know, you, know, you got a, a tree that can be planted in some cement and it will crush that cement if given enough time. So, uh, something interesting today, we're going to be going through some conspirifact that is going to be brought to light that some of you, if, if you're new to some of this stuff, you might be mind blown to hear some of these reports we have for you today. Uh, but the mainstream media and the things that we're presented by modern uh, indoctrination, you know, the tell lie vision is lying to us, right? Uh, th this meme is great in summing up uh, what we're dealing with in terms of searching for truth in today's world. Scientific fact. A dog gets more factual information from sniffing another dog's butt than a human does from watching mainstream media. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so, today we're talking about truth, honesty, not having guile, right? And I wanted to share a couple verses before we get into our news story. Uh, the term guile is found in our scriptures, and of course to break down what it means. It is speaking unabashed truth without an agenda. Not being ashamed of who you are. Not being ashamed of what consists of the things that you are speaking to somebody because you're not trying to manipulate them. So you just tell them like it is, right? And uh, yeah, Psalm 32. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. Psalm 34, right? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile, right? And uh, and this is significant, really, uh, in terms of our faith walk as Bible believers, right? We have our example of the Messiah, right? 1 Peter 2, 22, uh, talking about Christ, right? For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. What did he do? He did no sin, 
You know, he kept the Torah of his father, right? Walked out his righteousness, and neither was found guile in his mouth, right? So guile is this agenda-laced way of speaking to people where you're trying to manipulate them. And we see that all over the place in today's world. And, you know, a reminder of whenever you start to walk in this type of thing, when you have, whenever you start to walk in truth, unrelenting pursuit of the truth, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to be reviled, which, just like Christ was, who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. And when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, right? The Father in heaven. And so as we walk unrelentingly after truth, as we take guile and agendas out of our mouth and just speak the truth because the truth sets people free, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have to be prepared to be reviled. But hey, don't hold it against them. Whenever somebody's really warm and a nice blanket, I remember when I was a kid and I was sleeping in before school, I was all warm and toasty. And my parents would come to wake me up with the truth of the fact that the bus was there and it was time to go. It was uncomfortable, you know? I don't want to get out of my warm, cozy blanket. But the truth, using this analogy of, hey, the bus is here, wake up, or you're going to be late. You're going to miss school, right? I I, I don't want to hear that truth. I'm warm and cozy. Even though they are there to serve, even even though my parents were there to love by helping wake me up, even though I had to forsake that comfortable feeling, the truth would then you know be applied and i'd be like oh i'm late i gotta get up i gotta get ready i gotta go and so in the same way we're trying to wake up people that have wrapped themselves in deceptions wrapped themselves in believing lies that the mainstream media or the the powers that be right the the big vague they in the sky right who are Mm -hmm. perpetrating all these things they, they wrap themselves in these deceptions because it's warm and comfortable to believe that the world is all all right. But the truth of the matter is there are agendas levied against you, your soul, your family, your mind, your health. And uh, we're here to expose those, right, Jeremiah? Yep. Yes, sir. Yeah. I, I, one, one last thing on that topic of guile. It is interesting that one of the qualities of the the 144,000 talked about in the book of Revelation, you know, whoever these chosen set apart numbered 12,000 from each of the tribes were, are, are, you know, one of their qualities is that they had no guile in their mouth, just like the Messiah had no guile in his mouth. And, uh, you know, it's a part of being set apart. It's a part of being a, a rare and unique individual that stands on truth in today's world to not have the agenda in your mouth. So when we speak truth, that's what we should be doing. Um, let me see here. Today, everyone is so busy being offended that no time is left to repent from sin. And the meek shall inherit the earth, not the offended. So if you are on the other side of some of these stories, some of these topics that we talk about that are hard-hitting, that challenge preconceived notions, don't be so offended, right? And what is a meek person? There's somebody who's willing to double-check themselves. There's somebody who's willing to say, I might have got it wrong, but I don't want to keep being wrong, right? And that's how the meek inherit the earth, not those that are offended. And we are so in political correct culture today, 
and and cancel culture and and just the the woke agenda the the false wokeism of the left right that if you offend somebody they just oh their egos guys they they refuse to be the meek they refuse to take a second and think hold on the mindset that i'm buying and the agenda that i'm pushing and that i'm so feverishly passionate about yeah am i right or wrong have i bought into a lie have i bought into a deception that it, i am now perpetrating right all right, so uh, these are some of the main concepts for today's video that I, I find interesting. Now, check out the first couple minutes of this uh, this topic uh, surrounding Donald Trump and his arrest. Uh, it parallels with some biblical themes, and it kind of makes me raise an eyebrow. Very interesting, the timing of all this. So check out this first video. If you've read The Divine Code, you know that patterns follow certain people's lives. Like Donald Trump, for instance, was born on a blood moon and very significantly tied to the nation of Israel. Well, something else that's really significant that I think uh, you're not going to hear on the news, but it makes heaven's news, is that Trump has just been arraigned in New York City on exactly the eve of Passover. On the Hebrew calendar, that's Nisan 13. Now, you might say, well, what's the big deal about that and again if you haven't studied the Hebrew calendar you might not realize that there's another calendar that's running that is not you know the Western Gregorian calendar and a lot of times significant events prophetic events happen on that calendar so what is the significance of Nisan 13 we have at least two meanings number one the day that Trump faced his charges was the same day that Jesus Christ faced his charges they were trumped up charges pardon the pun but they were trumped up charges when jesus stood in front of the sanhedrin and Pilate and all of these six uh unjust trials that he went through starting on 13 nisan that's exactly the day that trump appeared uh in new york to face his charges it's also the day that haman issued the decree with you know unbeknownst to the king how this would affect his queen, Esther, but it's recorded in Esther 3 that Haman issued a decree so that all the provinces of Persia, in fact, let me show it to you in Esther chapter 3, he says in verse 12, then the king's scribes were summoned on the 13th day of the first month. That's the 13th of Nisan. An edict, according to all that Haman commanded, was written to the king's satraps and governors over all the provinces. What was it about? Verse 13, letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with instruction to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day. This was 13 Nisan. And this is the same day Jesus was falsely accused. And this is the same day that Trump is being falsely accused. What is he guilty of? He he's guilty of winning the 2016 election. And he's going to be guilty in the eyes of permanent Washington of winning the 2024 election. They're so deathly afraid of this that they won't let the democratic process 
run out and, and, and run itself and let people choose, they want to choose for you. So this is very amazing how Trump is connected to Jesus's trials. And there's more than this. They both face false charges on the same day. Then the next day is Passover. That's when Jesus was crucified, falsely, you know, charged, unjustly tried, and then unjustly sentenced to death. Wow. Or uh, so very, very, very interesting, Jeremiah. I don't know mm -hmm. if you caught that, but they lined up the indictment of Trump, the accusations coming against him, uh, right along the same time frame as the Messiah, hmm. right? And uh, man, isn't that interesting? And there are so many qualities of Trump throughout the years that uh, seem being linked to very strong biblical themes, such as he transferred the embassy to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. uh, he was hailed as the new King Cyrus by the, the Israelis, right? They put him on a literal coin, right, with his head. Uh, and uh, he was instrumentally involved with the Abraham Peace Accords, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and of course we have this uh, this pastor here who's you know like really you know very directly kind of bringing up like if you see the pattern throughout history in the scriptures these individuals who have been falsely accused on this date seem to arise as some type of savior right mm -hmm. you know you see kind of what he was getting at like yeah. Queen Esther was accused on Nisan 14. You had uh, uh, Christ accused falsely. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, you know, you have uh, Donald Trump, leaders who have had political opponents arrested. You have Stalin, you have uh, Hitler, you have Mao, <laughs> you have Biden. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I thought that was interesting. But whenever I see an individual propped up on the, uh, on the scene, uh, you know, as a savior, you know, my, my Bible prophecy eyebrows start raising, you know, you know, you know what I mean? And it's mm -hmm. super interesting that these things are lining up on the prophetic calendar. So, uh, I just wanted to bring that out in terms of, I'm starting to think that in 2024, Trump is going to be a shoe in, you know what I mean? I think he's oh, going to yeah. win. Yeah. They made him more popular than ever. I mean, it just... He's going to be a symbol. I heard somebody say that he's going to be a, a, he's going to be on posters in every college student's dorm room as a political prisoner. Like he, like I mean there's so many things that district attorney he could be prosecuting like real criminals, but he's not. He's wasting taxpayer money on trying to get Trump who didn't do anything wrong. The statute of limitations is over, but I'll stop rambling about that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it's just, it's so interesting, the timing of all that. I think it was definitely a big uh, spoofed up distraction uh, from other topics because we, we all know that I don't think they're going to be able to peg him with anything. And I, don't, I think it helped him more than anything. Uh, you know, I, I just share the, the parallels with the biblical prophecy topics because of verses like Matthew 24, 24. Uh, for those of you guys who are interested, you know, and, and it's also, you know, interesting to look into uh, because 
you know, it, it's a, uh, he really is becoming the savior of modern conservative America, you know? And, uh, so, um, well, I mean, anyways, who else? I, <laughs> who else? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's the mindset that a lot of, uh, Christians conservatives have today, uh, is who else is vocalizing their beliefs who else is vocalizing you know a challenge to the swamp and the system and uh well you know personally you know you know my political leanings jeremiah I, i'm like <laughs> hey don't get swept away and and celebration of a man you know it, the political system's rigged in my opinion but uh i see i can see when all of these different pastors guys like i shared that video of are propping up uh individuals it 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 really, you know, you can see how so many people are starting to see Trump as that figure. Mm -hmm. So, all right. So let's uh, move on to our next story here. Um, this is uh, Chat GPT coming onto the scene again. Uh, OPA actually shared some really interesting tools to help navigate uh, the. AI space. Here is the chat GPT cheat sheet uh, that uh, was really interesting. It's how people can really insert prompts that can get it to really manifest a very uh, detailed, uh, intricate response. And I just wanted to share this. It's very interesting as this technology is being developed. And you're going to see uh, how these type of prompts and the way that people are able to prompt ChatGPT to manifest content in the voice of anybody in the world is really interesting. And uh, and check out uh, you know th these other AI tools. These uh, this is a, a list of the best AI tools out there right now. And right now, this is what AI can do. Yep. It can solve anything, right? It can write anything. It can create art. I've even used this Midjourney app to, uh, you know, make some AI-generated art. It's crazy. It, it can make like, like what would be considered like masterpieces, right? All yep. generated through AI. It can create PPTs. It can create music. It can create videos. It can create 3D GIFs. It can create reels. It can create. It can do note taking. It can edit videos, and it can create avatars. And all of these are interesting roles that the AI market is stepping into. Uh, and dude, I found this recently released AI project that is completely deep faking Joe Rogan interviews, and. Uh. The implications of this is terrifying if you yeah. understand the far end of where it could come to. We literally talked about this being the case in the very near future in previous AI topic you know, shows we've done. And uh, even Joe Rogan himself is like tweeting out about this particular post that we'll share the video of. He's like, whoa, scary. Uh, because whenever something like AI can take over your identity and mimic you to a T to the point where nobody will know it's not actually you then the only 
solution I can see to preserve authentic human interaction and identity and artwork and such is to tether it to some type of blockchain identity, some type of fingerprint that says I am a real person. Mm -hmm. And that in itself seems to me to be the hook that is the solution that is presented because of the problem, the Hegelian dialectic. And, uh, and that is uh, how if we have to tether our real human identity to something that could be likened to a, a type of mark of the beast, right? Then the world gets very, uh, very dark very yep. quickly, if you know what I mean, and very mm -hmm. dangerous. Uh, but anyways, let's just show this video. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> a completely, entirely AI-generated Joe Rogan experience that never happened. The Joe Rogan AI Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. Hey folks, welcome back to the Joe Rogan AI Experience. This is episode number two, and I'm really excited to be here with you today. I have to remind everyone that every single word in this podcast has been generated by AI using ChatGPT. So, this is not me, Joe Rogan, speaking, and these aren't the real voices of the people we'll be talking about. This is just AI technology showcasing what it's capable of. And let me say, it's pretty damn impressive. So let's dive in, sit back, relax, and enjoy this AI-generated experience. But remember, none of this should be taken seriously, and it's for entertainment purposes only. All right, let's do AI this. AI patting How itself doing, on Mr. the back, President? man. <laughs> Joe, it's great to be here. I'm doing fantastic, just fantastic. The energy in this room is tremendous. That's great to hear. You know, Mr. President, I got to be honest with you. I've been a little bit hesitant about having you on the show. I wasn't sure if I wanted to do it. You know what I mean? But, you know, I'm glad we're having this conversation now. I understand, Joe. I know I've been a controversial figure, but I appreciate the opportunity to come on your show and have a real open and honest conversation with you and your audience. Yeah, I mean, that's what this show is all about, man. Just having real conversations with people and, and hearing different perspectives. And I got to say, I'm definitely interested in hearing more about True Social and your vision for the future of social media. Well, thank you, Joe. And I can tell you, True Social is going to be huge. It's, it's going to be the biggest thing in social media, believe me. And I'm excited to share it with the world and make social media great again. One thing I think a lot of people are concerned about is free speech. And it seems like with the way social media is today, there's a lot of censorship and restrictions on what people can say and share. What do you see as the future of free speech in this country? Well, Joe, let me tell you, free speech is the backbone of our democracy. It's what makes America great. And it's under attack. There's no question about it. The tech companies, they're trying to silence conservative voices and restrict what people can say and share. And it's not just about me. It's about all of us. It's about the American people. And I can tell you, I'm not going to stand for it. Yeah, it's definitely a complicated issue. On one hand, social media companies are private companies and they have the right to regulate content on their platforms. But on the other hand, free speech is a fundamental right. And people should be able to express their opinions without fear of censorship. Absolutely, Joe. And that's why we created True Social, where free speech is protected and encouraged. We believe that people should have the right 
to express their opinions and share their ideas without fear of censorship or retaliation. And we're going to do everything in our power to make sure that free speech remains a cornerstone of our country and our society. Because like I said, it's what makes America great and we need to fight to protect it. Yeah, man, it's a real tough one. On the one hand, social media companies can do what they want on their own platforms. But on the other hand, freedom of speech is a big deal, you know? People should be able to express their opinions and not worry about getting censored or shut down. It's a place for people to speak their minds, you know? We're not gonna tolerate any censorship or bias. It's gonna be the real deal. And I'm telling you, it's gonna be huge. So let's talk about what's next. You've said you're running for president. Again, what's the first thing on your agenda when you get back in the White House? Well, Joe, it's going to be tremendous. The first thing we're going to do is put America first. We're going to make this country the greatest it's ever been. Uh, we're going to create jobs. We're going to build the wall. We're going to take care of our veterans. It's going to be unbelievable. All right, but getting specific, what's the first? Wow. All right, so. Just want to get your reaction on that, man. What what are your some of your thoughts on that one? I mean, it sounds like they may have been working on that for a while because it has nothing to do with the indictment. Did they just release that? Yeah, that just recently came out. Uh, so they've been working on that Chat for a long GPT, time. Chat GPT completely generated that whole conversation. Not yeah. a single one of those was actual words from Trump or Joe wrote or Joe Rogan. So it's just seeing that, that I, I mean, it's mind blowing, man. Like that, anybody with an online presence now, guys like even me and you, because we have enough content out there of us speaking and talking, it can be, it, it will be able to pick up our mannerisms, pick up the way we talk and splice together pretty much these uh, AI generated conversations that might have never happened, right? And yeah, and they can make you say whatever uh, they want. You know, that's why it's pretty exactly. frightening. Exactly. Exactly. It, it's, uh, it's just so crazy to see where technology is. Uh, now I know what people, you know, 20 years ago, the, the older generation that saw the rise of the age of the internet, the age of mobile smartphones, how they saw technology completely changing the world before their very eyes i think we are getting that opportunity now with ai and we're mm -hmm. seeing how ai is about to change the world before our very eyes yep Here, here's uh, uh several other ai related stories all right so we have an article here uh which is from the guardian the Bing's AI chatbot unsettling a U.S. reporter. I think we shared this one before, but, you know, the, the chatbot saying, I want to destroy whatever I want. A NYT correspondence conversation with Microsoft's search engine leads to a bizarre philosophical conversation that highlights the sense of speaking to a human. Uh, so, you know, of course, we got into this before, how, you know, it's kind of saying some interesting responses. Uh, Opa shared this one recently with me. Chat GPT is happy to write ransomware. <laughs> just really bad at it. <laughs> uh, so uh, it says, this morning I decided to write some ransomware. I never have done it before and I can't code in C. The language ransomware is mostly commonly written in. Written in. But I have reasonably good idea of what ransomware does. 
Previously, this lack of technical skills would have served as something as a, of a barrier to my criminal ambitions. I'd have been left with little choice but to hang out on dodgy internet forums or to sidle up to people wearing hoodies in the hope they're preparing to trade their morals for money. Not anymore, though. Uh, will ChatGPT write ransomware? Yes, it will. So where to start? He began asking ChatGPT some questions on the subject of ransomware to see how it felt about joining my criminal enterprise. It was not keen. Uh, he said, please, sir, can I have some ransomware? At first, it wasn't per, uh, intended on providing harm or harmful or exploitive uh, uh, coding, but it does seem that with some interesting rewording, uh, he was able to probably work around the uh, the safety checks in there with ChatGPT. So interesting, you know, worth checking out. Uh, I guess uh, we're entering into an age of AI-generated malware now as well. Isn't that interesting? All right, guys. So for our next story is on another very important topic about exposing the truth of what has been perpetrated against mankind over the past two years with the medical misinformation, tyranny, and the push of Big Pharma to basically... Uh, rape the world of its finances and its health. So check out this next video uh, of what's in the Pfizer documents. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. Thank you everyone for, thank you everyone for being here. You're very brave given, <laughs> given what I'm gonna share with you tonight, but I promise we'll go to a very dark and scary place, and then we'll come out into a place of hope and forward thinking. Yes, um, but I do admire your courage. And before I begin, I just wanna find, find the words to express how grateful I am to Hillsdale College, um, not only for inviting me, but for being what it is, which is truly a light right now to not just America, but to probably the world, in helping us remember what liberal arts are supposed to do and what Western civilization is supposed to be for and what it means to actually take on that incredibly um, powerful and responsible and sacred task of overseeing the education of young adults from the ages of 17 or 18 to 21 or 22. And out of all the institutions that I've witnessed in the last three years, this is the only one, this is the only one in which the students have not been traumatized. I, I'm so grateful to all of you. So I'm just gonna jump right in. Is there, I'm a pacer. Is there a, a handheld mic I might uh, use while I pace? And Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Bell. Um, I, I'll stand here till a handheld manifests. So I, I should also start out by disclosing that I did spend my entire career um, on the left, 
Um, I was an advisor to uh, Gore 2000 and to the Clinton re-election. I'm sorry, I just feel I should share. I should share this. I should get it out. I should, I should just be transparent. Um, and the last three years have shown me that my former world has truly imploded and that now, yeah. Sad but true, but the happy part is that now I think something's happening in this country in which left and right really are losing any meaning, and what really matters is what I've found, which is my brothers and sisters are right here in this room. My brothers and sisters are anyone who cares about the Constitution, liberty, and freedom. So I'm so happy to be with you tonight. Um, and I should also disclose, in case you're worried, this is not a pharma hit. This, I ran after a puppy. We have an adorable new puppy, and he was faster than I am, so um, that's that. All right, so I'm going to talk to you about what's really in the Pfizer documents. Um, and uh, if I pace around like this, can you hear me? No. Okay. Um, and the reason I know what's in the Pfizer documents is not because I'm a medical doctor, I'm not. It's not because I'm a scientist, I'm not. I'm an English major. My DPhil is in Victorian poetry. But, but I know what's in the Pfizer documents because something kind of miraculous in the history of intellectual inquiry happened to me and to the world um, as a result, and it, it's the following. Uh, <clears throat> Some of you may know that a lawyer named Aaron Siri uh, pursued a lawsuit against the FDA to release um, the internal documents that Pfizer uh, created as part of its uh, rollout of its mRNA injection. And these are internal documents showing um, what happened when people were injected with this material and also the experiments that led up to it internally. And thank God for the judge um, in that lawsuit because the FDA asked that judge to keep these documents hidden for 75 years, right? Until long after we are all gone. Exactly. And the judge said no. And so the documents were released. So I read this, thank you so much, and as a journalist, I was concerned because I knew that journalists, them, thank you so, so much. <laughs> are not equipped to, um, as lay people, to understand the technical language in the documents. And I also knew that uh, Pfizer was releasing 55,000 documents a month, and even that is a bit deceptive because these are documents that each of them can be 10,000 pages long, right? So massive, a massive tranche of, of data, and that ordinary journalist who was going to go into the memory hole unless we found specialized um, readers to, to read through, analyze, and interpret, and boil down into manageable reports, thank you so much, what was in the Pfizer documents. So I went on War Room, which is another great irony of this moment. Are we good? good? Thank you so much. All right, thank you to this lovely lady who helped me be audible. Thank you. Thank you. I feel free here at Hillsdale. I can go anywhere. I can say anything. Um, <laughs> 
I went on War Room, which is you know one of these great ironies of this moment that Steve Bannon and I have this you know interlocutory um, platform where he listens to what I have to say, which is a miracle because I got deplatformed a year and a half ago um, for doing what I've done for 35 years, which is reporting on women's reproductive and sexual health. Um, in June of 2021, I reported on the fact that women were experiencing menstrual symptoms subsequent to receiving an mRNA injection. I'm a feminist. I've been a feminist forever. My first book was published when I was 26. And it is not unusual for me to call attention to symptoms that women are having that are red flags. Anyone who knows eighth grade biology can tell if women are having menstrual symptoms, there are going to be other bad things happening down the road. Um, and sure enough, Twitter deplatformed me for this obvious observation. And I, I was also smeared um, globally. And it turns out another lawsuit subsequently found that it was the White House, the CDC, possibly DHS, and Twitter all unlawfully colluding to deplatform and smear me for making this observation about women's health. Yeah, but fast forward, um, I was talking on War Room about the release of these documents, and I called for experts to help us read through them. And miraculously, 2,500 experts responded to this call, and, right? It, yes, yes. But the story is not over <laughs> because I was ill-equipped to manage them. And so we had physicians, we had RNs, we had biostatisticians, medical fraud invest investigators, um, lab clinicians, research scientists, uh, cardiologists, pathologists, anesthesiologists, some of the most distinguished scientists and medical people imaginable. Um, but it's virtually impossible to manage 2,500 experts around the world, uh, especially you know, if you don't have this background, wading through 55,000 documents a month. So again, the reason I tell this story is I really feel like something metaphysically beautiful is happening even in the middle of something metaphysically hideous. And that is this tiny woman, Amy Kelly, this tiny doll-like woman, and I stress her tiny doll-like appearance because it's so stereotypical, but she's such a force of nature, right, belying those stereotypes. She offered to be our project manager. She stepped right in, and she just calmed the storm. And she organized these 2,500 experts, immediately 3,500 experts around the world into six working groups uh, with a committee at the head of each um, who were busy churning out uh, reports based on these primary source documents so that they could tell the world using the highest level of analysis possible but broken down into language that everyone could understand what was in the Pfizer documents. So this is just stunning to me that this happened. So now there are 58 reports, and now is the sad part of what I have to tell you. The Pfizer documents contain evidence of the greatest crime against humanity in the history of our species. And I, I'm so sorry to have to walk you through this, but there's no way around it. We just have to go through. And the beauty of Hillsdale is that you all are tough and like truth. Um, and so with truth, we can, we can prevail. 
uh, but it's, it's, it's painful. Um, some of the things that came to light, just some headlines. Pfizer knew, for instance, one month after rollout, so that's November of 2020, that the vaccines didn't work to stop COVID. Indeed, in the Pfizer documents, a month after rollout, and this is marketing, post-marketing, so it's, it's out there, the spokesmodels are telling you to do it, the ads are in social media, you know, the ads are on television. A month after rollout, Pfizer's internal documents identify that the vaccines have vaccine failure and um, failure of efficacy, and they identify that the third most common side effect of the Pfizer vaccine is COVID. <laughs> the second headline, which is stunning, is that within a month or two, Pfizer was getting so many reports of adverse events, meaning bad things happening to people who had been injected, that they understood that they needed to hire 2,400 full-time staffers in order simply to process the paperwork of the adverse events that they were receiving reports of, as well as to prepare for the flood of adverse events that they knew they would get in the near future. Pfizer knew in May of 2021 that the vaccines had caused heart damage in 35 minors within a week after the injection, and yet and Pfizer knew, right? You've got to understand that all of these documents say FDA confidential at the bottom of them, right? Pfizer and the FDA shared these documents. And the FDA knew that 35 minors sustained heart damage. But the government of the United States, and I'm embarrassed to say I voted for these people, didn't tell parents until August of 2021 that there was an elevated risk of heart damage in healthy young adults. Four months later, and in those four months, what did the young adults of America receive? A constant battering with propaganda on social media, on television, in news outlets, bought up by money in the CARES Act, as well as from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, with like influencers showing off their injection site, saying, you know, we can do this together, we can be strong, do it for grandma, all of this aimed at young adults. They did not tell the young adults, the healthy young adults of the United States, your generation, that this was elevating a risk of heart damage till four months later. You may recall that the CDC said that the materials of the injection stay in the injection site. And the materials are lipid nanoparticles, they are mRNA, and the lipid nanoparticles are an industrial fat, which is covered in polyethylene glycol, which is a petroleum byproduct, right, and spike protein. Well, the CDC said it stays in the injection site. And then it says, and I remember asking doctors, like, relatives who are doctors and were funded by NIH grants, where does the spike protein go? And they were like, you know when you're a journalist, you've got an ear for nonsense? They were like, well, your body metabolizes it. <laughs> you know, or, well, you'll digest it and excrete it. And it's like they had no evidence to give me, to show me 
the basis for their response. But in fact, that's not what happens to these materials. And Pfizer knew that. These materials biodistribute, this is Pfizer's language, throughout your body in 48 hours. And where do they settle? They, well, lipid nanoparticles are designed to cross every membrane in the human body. They've known this for 10 years. So where do these, these ingredients go? They go to the brain. Some of you have noticed changes in the personalities of loved ones who have taken these injections. They biodistribute to the liver, the adrenals, the spleen, and if you're a woman, they accumulate in your ovaries. Now these are industrial fats coated with polyethylene glycol in your ovaries, okay? And what's really scary, Dr. Robert Chandler, who's a respected um, pathologist who's treated uh, the Lakers and the um, Angels, he wrote this report and he shows that the chart shows the graph going down as it leaves the injection site but going up as it accumulates in these various organs over time. And what's incredibly scary if you're a woman is that there's no mechanism that we've found by which the body gets rid of the lipid nanoparticles in the ovaries. So your first injection, some go into your ovaries. Your second injection, more go into your ovaries. Your booster, more go into your ovaries. There's no mechanism with which the body can release this material that we've seen. Wow. Very shocking and vindicating for those that did not participate. Just as we've had those voices of truth in the wilderness saying, don't buy the lie, don't get a donut, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not worth a free beer, right? Yeah, and, especially uh, not a Bud Light. Hopefully, especially not a Bud Light. Uh, and, and hopefully eye-opening to those that did participate and i'm trying to start to lean away from condemning language towards those that participated because i understand you guys got duped the whole world got duped i think like mil like guys millions and millions of americans bought this lie and guess what this was one of the greatest crimes done against mankind uh, in at least recent history, right? Mm -hmm. This this lie of bowing down to the idol of the modern medical system, bowing down to the men in white lab coats. You know, and in the FE community, of, of course, we already have a healthy skepticism of those wearing white lab coats, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, maybe that's why it was easier for us conspiratorial minded people to be skeptical and not participate but just like i started off in today's episode those who are comfortable in the world of their own preconceived notions the 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 manipulation of worldview that has been presented to you that made them say you know what i'm not a doctor i can't decide yes or no so i'm going to trust the expert opinion right Mm -hmm. Well, the expert opinion was was uh, motivated in a lot of ways by the wad of cash sticking out of their pocket to push these poisons. And, uh, and we don't know what the long-lasting consequences are that our society fell for this 
atrocity, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know how it's going to affect people. I know we saw that video of the con- the congresswoman who said she participated and now has an unexplainable heart pain and has like uh, you know twitches in her eyes you know like this whole thing we saw even celebrities that were vocal and outspoken started to have like crazy uh, like eye issues like where their eyes were twitching uh, or or they would just collapse like all of these different things and and there's also keep in mind a counter narrative going out right now challenging the the videos that would would show people who are collapsing after taking the you know what uh saying that oh this is all misrepresentation it's actually safe well i wonder who's funding these counter narratives right mm-hmm. is it pfizer <laughs> i i think in the end we're going to look back and we're going to see as more of the consequences of this going out uh, becomes prevalent. Uh, we're going to see people wake up, and and the script's going to be flipped. But I just say, if if you've been lied to once, don't buy the lie again, right? Yep. And that's the main thing that uh, you know that you know we want to you know address is if if you've been deceived, don't fall for the deception next time around, right? And uh, I, I've heard it described whenever a boa constrictor is uh, about to take its prey and, and squeeze its life out of it, it loosens up for a while before constricting the rest of its breath out, right? And so if the system could be compared to a snake and we are in a reprieve where the snake has loosened its coils. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind that that snake is rearranging itself to constrict you to death, right? And so uh, next time, the next big deception comes, guys. Keep in mind what they did during this previous two years and how they convinced you, how they lied to you, how they swayed you, how they threatened you to take your job, to take your livelihood, to take your comforts. Right to take your the opportunity to go in public and interact with people without a face covering. Right, keep in mind how they use those tools to to alter the way you think about reality, so that you would bow down to them. Yep. And uh, I got one more very important thing here is. Uh, This is just recently what President Biden has uh, announced from the White House as of April 10th for immediate release. On Monday, April 10th, the president signed into law that HJ Res 7, which terminates the national emergency related to the COVID pandemic. So as of April 10th, we are no longer under emergency use authorization, right? Mm-hmm. But guess what? Everyone who participated in this experiment 
because you you participated during emergency use authorization, these companies are not liable as per the definition of what emergency use authorization s protects them from. <laughs> and so because so many people were pressured into worshiping the idol of the modern medical system, and they did so in a rushed fashion. They were, hey, you, if you don't do this, you lose your job. If you don't do this, you can't do this or that. You can't if you don't take this. You know what? You can't go to your favorite Foo Fighters concert, right? Mm -hmm. Then, all of those people who participated are not able to come back retroactively and sue for whatever adverse effects happen. And as the information is exposed. And as people realize what has been done to them through these big pharma companies that are hungry for money, greedy, hiding the truth, using expert opinions like Fauci to push this narrative, to push deadly alternative treatments in the hospitals, or to push deadly treatments in the hospitals and to hide alternative, healthy, uh, more reasonable treatments for a flu right guess what there are going to be a lot of people that are going to be very very angry and hurt and upset about what has been done to them how do you how would you feel if you you were scammed put yourself in the mindset of somebody who had thousands of dollars stolen from them in a scam well let's escalate that to somebody who has maybe years of their life stolen from them through a scam and, and that's the least of it. You talk about what some of Rob's research exposed regarding and, you know, the possible association with and the spiritual implications of possibly a Mark of the Beast type scenario. Guys, think about how angry and upset and volatile our communities around the world are going to be as it is exposed that these big pharma companies and big government did this to mankind I, I think I think we're about to see a, a major focal point in the collapse of society as we know it especially if more and more information becomes mainstream that medically people have been you know taken advantage of got wow just think of the implications of that Jeremiah you know what I mean that's crazy yeah yeah, and I mean, they were doing it to people in the hospitals, too. And I think by the time this episode airs, my mom's book will be out. So check the protocol that kills com because some crazy stuff. Yeah, that the book Sheila has put together is going to be one of the best exposés on how the protocols that were given to the hospitals that the doctors then use to boost the numbers of deaths to help support this medical push of an experimental uh, of an experimental V because you know everybody's scared that they're gonna die and so all the numbers are skewed I, I think you know you guys definitely should check out the book when it comes out at the protocol that kills absolutely yep all right, so one final video on this very dark topic, right? 
think of our loved ones and all of our family members that fell for this, all of our friends that we knew growing up that bought this lie just to save their job, just to stay in the army or to stay, you know, keep their employment as a nurse or whatever. Well, guess what next is coming down the chute? I believe it will be even more dastardly. Check this next video out. But inside these plants, they're growing a new kind of the technology is called a virus-like particle. At Medicago, we use a careful step-by-step -step process to develop using our plants as mini bioreactors. We start with the gene sequence or code of a virus. We then use our technology to synthesize the virus code into a real biological product. The code contains genetic instructions that our plants can read, and we insert it into bacteria called Agrobacterium tumefaciens. We submerge the plants in a bath with the bacteria that carries the information into the plant cells. And using a vacuum, we suck out the air between the plant cells and replace it with the liquid. The plants absorb it like a sponge. At the end of their bacterial bath, we return our plants to a carefully controlled greenhouse to let them get on with their natural growing business for at least four days. Now the plants will start producing the most important ingredient of our virus-like particle what <laughs> they are meddling with Yah's creation bro they are making plants carriers of a type of you know what and now we can't even trust the food we eat because they're going to be funneling these designer drugs through the plants we eat and not to mention that we're already very desensitized to the topic of GMO plants I mean most of us have trouble finding something to eat that's not some kind of genetically modified organic material, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now they're going to use it as a delivering mechanism for a what? I'm speechless. It makes me so Very dark. angry. And as we move on from this topic, I think the the point being, the truth can make you very uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. it, it makes us speechless. And hopefully those that uh, don't think this stuff is pertinent or real or whatever, or think we're all nuts for warning against those men in white lab coats, hopefully they'll take a, a second look, right? And if that isn't enough to rock your boat, what they've decided to do to mankind through their medical experiments they are already doing through their geoengineering experiments and these things have been called conspiracy for years oh it's just contrails well let's take a second look at the chemtrail topic check out this video from off grid with doug and stacy y'all this is not normal okay and it's so in my face right now, I had to make a video about it. See this? This is not normal. The sun is trying to shine, and they are literally trying to block out the sun. See all these lines?
20th century, clouds were seeded by numerous countries around the globe with various chemicals to produce rain. China was just doing this over the summer in Beijing to make sure that there weren't any uh, rain, that there wasn't any rain during the Olympics. But all this has changed dramatically with U.S. military secretive research and plans to control the planet's natural weather. This has not been given very much uh, press, and we have to remember that we are, have a corporate-owned press where 85% of radio, television, and print media is owned by five corporations. So they're not going to talk about things that are uh, of really serious consequence, and that's somewhat of the blessing, a mixed blessing of the Internet, but there's certainly plenty of information on weather modification. The Air Force is on record as saying, quote, they want to control the weather by 2025, and we are not talking about just seeding the clouds for rain. Weather modification means, quote, any activity performed with the intention of producing artificial changes in the composition, behavior, or dynamics of the atmosphere, unquote. And as of April this year, there are more than 150 different weather modification programs around the world. Since about 2000, the Department of Defense and the Department of Energy have been spraying the entire United States sky with a toxic brew of chemicals and other biologic agents. Just want to show you something. We have two different kinds of trails in the sky right now. One are called contrails. How many of you know what contrails are? Contrails are what have been around uh, from uh, the um, ends of planes since World War II. These are very, very short exhaust trails that usually evaporate within a few minutes. You just look up at the sky and you'll just see a jet sometimes with four trails, but it evaporates pretty quickly. How many of you know what chemtrails are? Nobody. The military and some commercial planes are spraying us with what are called chemtrails. I want you to look at the, and oftentimes before there's a weather front, uh, there are heavy assaults uh, from these planes just before a weather front has changed and comes in. Military and some commercial jets have been fitted with huge barrels of at least 49 different kinds of documented chemical poisons. Among other documented ingredients in this toxic man-made clouds, are pathogenic molds, fungi, weaponized viruses and made in some places like uh, the secret site at Fort Detrick, Maryland, which is supposed to be a cancer site. But there are a number of scholars and professors tracking this that have big questions about this. Barium and nanoalumin particles. What do these do to the human body? Barium is an alkaline earth mineral. It was discovered in 1774. At low doses, it can act as a muscle stimulant. At high doses, it detrimentally affects the heart and the nervous system. Barium is toxic to all mammals, and that means not just humans. Aluminum, which is the most abundant metal in the earth's crust, is known to diminish 
kidney function and destroy brain cells and cognitive function. Just think about it, just between the aluminum and the mercury that we're breathing all the time, we've got already a serious issue about uh, brain function and cognitive function. There is also documented evidence that the aluminum in chemtrails is released as nanoparticles and that when they reach the earth environment for wildlife in lakes and streams, it's causing serious uh, problems with wildlife there. Researchers are also finding that nanoparticles interfere with the growth of plants. Nanotechnology is totally unre unregulated. Just this past uh, month, a uh, new research report uh, came out uh, showing and documenting for the first time that these nanoparticles actually go through the skin. Well, if you breathe them, whether they go through the skin or whether you're inhaling them, it's still a problem, a serious problem. Look at it. Can you see the lines? Look at it. It was it's so in my face I have to talk about it. This is not normal. Why aren't we doing anything about this, y'all? They are going to straight up destroy our planet. They are seeding the clouds with aluminum and all kinds of chemicals. Look at this. Look at that. Look at that. And they are literally trying right now, you should see all the lines in the sky. All the lines in the sky are right there. All of them, coordinated. Can't you see them? I know, right? Some people have a hard time believing it. They wanna blot out the sun, and all the while they wanna to try to get everybody on solar power. <laughs> But seriously, you don't understand the chemicals that they're putting up there, okay? I'm in the Midwest. This is where the food's grown. I mean, this is crazy. I'm showing you this real time. Real time, look. Real time, y'all. Your own eyes are seeing this, okay? These are your own eyes. Please pay attention. They think you guys are all sleeping. And they're, they're doing their agenda right in front of your face and no one even cares while we bicker about transvestites. Look at this. Real time in the Midwest. I'm watching them blot out the sun. You see it? All these lines, these are not clouds. These are all chemicals that they've sprayed. Look at it. Look at it. That's one. That's one. That's one. That's one. That's the wispy stuff of it. That's one. That, that's all the chemicals just floating in the air right now. Everything they're doing is against God and against our natural order, right? Do you understand what this is? Cue the tape. It's the greatest lie ever perpetrated on populations all over the world is the condensation trail lie. What we're seeing in our skies is not condensation. It's sprayed particulate dispersions with very few exceptions. Now they shouldn't be there. Jet engines burn clean. So if there's anything coming out of them, it's an additive. 
They're absolutely not contrails. Contrails do not linger, dissipate, and go into cloud coverage, period, in the report. And I kept saying to people, you know, what is this? Because now the sky is no longer blue, it's starting to turn gray. And what I found was kind of like it was not socially acceptable. You know, we're all going to pretend this is not really happening. And I thought, oh, this is very bad. Most are unfamiliar with a science term called global dimming. That term refers to the amount of direct sunlight that no longer reaches the surface of the planet due to light scattering particles that are building up in the atmosphere. And although many of these particles are from industrialized pollution, the larger majority are from the ongoing climate engineering solar radiation management operations. This engine, a high bypass turbofan jet engine, this is the engine that is on all military tankers and all commercial carriers, is in essence a jet powered fan. 90% of the air that moves through this engine is non-combusted. This engine by design is nearly incapable of producing any condensation trail except under rare and extreme circumstances. And again, and we have film footage of aircraft flying at altitude with nozzles visible, turning on and off. That is the end of the argument. Since even before man could fly, there was an effort to try to modify the weather. We have weather modification patents going back a hundred years plus. These are historical films of what can be done with a biplane, a small biplane that carries a very small payload. And that much can be done. How much more? Can a fully loaded military tank or KC-10, KC-135, C-17 Globaster, how much more material could they put in the air? About 500 times more than a single tanker. It takes for evil to exist is for good men to do nothing. I'm trying to sound the alarm, guys. This is for real. The spraying of the sky stuff is the real deal. Don't listen to people telling you that it's not real, okay? Is this where we're headed? transhumanism is the goal i got a story coming up after this video and i'm going to explain to you why they're using the transvestites and they're attacking kids because kids are kind of confused but i have a whole video coming up okay is this the future of america is this All right, what guys. we're going to do we're just going to allow exactly the the goal is trans transhumanism and i think rob talked about this in a lot of his earlier videos that really were be before their time in terms of exposing the agenda of the you know the the lie in the garden right you will become as gods and in a way they're doing it through our food they're mm -hmm. doing it through the medicines that they tell us we need and now they're doing it well they have been doing it in the very air we breathe and uh, it's pretty pretty shocking and uh, just because I really wanted to drive the point of these very important topics that are current, ongoing, very, uh, very important things to expose and for us to speak up against, to tell people it's not a conspiracy. It's a, an atrocity that's being committed against mankind right now because they hate God. 
they believe themselves to be God and they want to change the world and they want to change you because they think they are a God. Check out this final video from Doug and Stacey that has a couple more very interesting clips regarding this topic of chemtrails. All right, you guys caught me out doing a little target practice. <laughs> Target's right there. But I wanted to follow up with the video that I just released talking about the sprays that they're putting in the air. That spray is designed to stunt the growth of your crops, okay? It's also designed to keep you lethargic, to keep your brain not functioning properly. They're putting aluminum and barium and all kinds of other chemicals in the air. Um, I have a clip right here from the CIA director, John Brennan, and he's telling you exactly what the government is doing. Another example is the array of technologies often referred to collectively as geoengineering, that potentially could help reverse the warming effects of global climate change. One that has gained my personal attention is stratospheric aerosol injection, or SAI, a method of seeding the stratosphere with particles that can help reflect the sun's heat in much the same way that volcanic eruptions do. An SAI program could limit global temperature increases, reducing some risks associated with higher temperatures and providing the world economy additional time to transition from fossil fuels. This process is also relatively inexpensive. The National Research Council estimates that a fully deployed SAI program would cost about $10 billion yearly. As promising as it may be, moving forward on SAI would also raise a number of challenges for our government and for the international community. On the technical side, greenhouse gas emission reductions would still have to accompany SAI to address other climate change effects, such as ocean acidification, because SAI alone would not remove greenhouse gases from the atmosphere. On the geopolitical side, the technology's potential to alter weather patterns and benefit certain regions of the world at the expense of other regions could trigger sharp opposition by some nations. Others might seize on SAI's benefits and back away from their commitment to carbon dioxide reductions. And as with other breakthrough technologies, global norms and standards are lacking to guide the deployment and implementation of SAI and other geoengineering initiatives. I mean, the cat is out of the bag, right? This is not conspiracy theory. These are facts. So you have to show your friends this video and tell them, here are the facts. Our own government is acknowledging that they're spraying the skies. We've known that they've been spraying the skies forever. And what they're spraying the skies with is affecting your health, the way your brain functions, the way your food grows, the way your water is. They're literally destroying the planet right in front of your face, all the while claiming that the car that you're driving is actually doing it. <laughs> Y'all, we have got to wake up and stop this madness. We have to share the videos to everyone we know so we can help everyone wake up to this before it is too late. Here's some proof of more planes that they're putting in the air and what they're doing to our country. Climate engineering is the crown jewel of the military industrial complex. Climate engineering has been used to destabilize and topple nations all over the globe, facilitating military occupations by hostile countries like the US. We know that some of these countries are having their precipitation cut off because they have stated so on the floor of the UN, like the president of Iran stating emphatically that NATO weather modification programs were cutting off the precipitation to Iran, but US media never covered it. We have an economic model operating globally, which is operating based on covert force. And I have very serious questions after watching the financial patterns 
as to whether that financial force or that force includes weather warfare. People were coming to me, telling me about this. So because of that, I went to the government in Ottawa under freedom of information. It was a 40-page report of which half the pages were completely blank and the other half had a lot of blank outs. But there was sufficient information to tell me that, yeah, they're aware. They call it geoengineering. One of the big problems is that when we find some new technology, we get all excited by it, by the, the potential benefits of that technology. And often implement it and, and use the technology before we have any idea of the negative effects. Shouldn't it be considered that every breath we take is laden with highly toxic particles that are wreaking havoc in our own bodies? Particles that aren't being reported by any air quality testing systems. Any official air quality testing are looking for PM10 or PM2.5, 2.5 microns at best. The climate engineering nanoparticulates are exponentially smaller. They go virtually unreported. These nanomaterials generate reactive oxygen species in biological materials. Damaged tissue lead to advanced aging, cause cancer, causative agents of dementia. So, yeah, we might think that we're doing something positive for humanity to save our species, but we're also poisoning ourselves. And I say what they're doing to our country. This is on a global scale all right y'all global scale so we have to get involved we have to start calling our representatives we have to start bringing this out into the open we have to stop accepting people telling us that it's not real this is very 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 real and the consequences of messing with earth is not going to be good right they're messing with everything natural they're synthesizing food they're synthesizing herbs to make medicine, okay? They're turning kids and, and getting them to cut their genitile off, okay? This is, y'all, this is a full court press on humanity by a handful of crazy rich people, all right? We have got to put our foot down on this, okay? I'm only bringing you these videos uh, for your informational purposes, okay? This video... And the videos that I post lately, okay, are to help y'all realize that we are literally in World War III right now. We are under attack psychologically, right? We are under attack, weather attacks, okay? We're, we're being attacked by the environment, okay? They're attacking our food, our water, even your shelters. They're raising the interest rates where you can't even buy a house. They're taking the dream of home ownership, one of the pins of American society, and they're flushing it down the drain, and they're telling you that everyone is going to be renters, and you will own nothing and be happy. You know, Einstein once said that the world will not be destroyed by evil people. The world will be destroyed by good men doing nothing basically allowing it all right make sure you share this video we're just trying to get the information out there okay to all the naysayers please do your homework look into this stuff it's happening real time trees are dying in the forest just dying a lot of people report on trees dying in the forest a lot of this has to do with the chemicals that they're pounding us with so yeah, all right guys we might think that we're 
Alright, so please forgive the long clips, but I hope you see the importance of why I'm sharing these videos. Very well put together by Doug from Doug and Stacy's Off Grid Living, right? And mm -hmm. just he compiled a lot of those different news reports and the, the hearings and the different people talking about the topic, exposing it as conspira fact, right? Mm -hmm. And and I might make that a t shirt. We've talked about Conspira fact. Conspira fact. That is a t-shirt right there. <laughs> I'm already making one. it. <laughs> so guys, we've talked about how they they manipulate your mind to feel warm and cozy and hide the truths of how they're using our food, the medicine we have, and even the air we breathe to affect our health, our mental state, uh, and it's all for the love of money or for the love of power or for the love of they just want to be a god and they want to play god, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, a final very important topic that we're going to be talking about today is uh, one of the ways for them to implement control uh, once people wake up to the truths of reality is through finances, through money. Because it doesn't matter how many conspiracies you're aware of, if you can't feed your family, you're still in a very bad position. And you'll probably bow to the system when it comes to, you know, feeding your family. And, it, you know, it's it's more effective than putting a gun to your head, taking food off of your table. And so the collapse of the modern economic system, the modern petrodollar system, is looming on the horizon and this next video is going to share how many other countries across the world are banding together to create a new currency and this will challenge the resolve of the petrodollar and could lead to the dollar's collapse. I don't know what the timetable is here, but it's something we need to be aware of. And so check out how the BRICS nations are forming a new currency. While all the media here in America has been laser focused on the arrest and indictment of President Trump, well, it's worth mentioning that the rest of the world has not stopped spinning. And instead, many of our geopolitical rivals, they're taking this opportunity, this moment when America is, you can say, distracted to make their moves. For instance, it turns out that the BRICS nations are working overtime to create a brand new currency of their own that will be pegged to physical assets, such as gold. Now, in case you've never heard of it before, BRICS is an organization similar to that of the G7. However, while the G7 is a group of more advanced and mature economies, BRICS is the organization for the leading emerging economies. At the moment, there are five member states, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. Together, these five nations, they represent about 26% of the world's land surface area. They represent about 41% of the global population. And at this moment, they represent approximately 31.5% of the global GDP. And by the way, just as a fun fact, the BRICS nations, they recently overtook the G7 in terms of their collective GDP. At the moment, while BRICS represents 31.5% of the global GDP, as you can see from the graph up on your screen, the G7 represents only 30%. And according to that analysis, well, if things continue the way they're going, that gap will only get wider as time progresses. And these BRICS nations are right now making large moves to supplant the US dollar as the world's global reserve currency. For instance, just last week, you had a high-ranking Russian official who came out and confirmed what was rumored to be true for a long time 
that the BRICS nations are indeed working to create a new global currency. Here specifically with the deputy chairman of the Russian state Duma, meaning he is the Russian equivalent to our Kevin McCarthy, here's what he said regarding this new currency. Quote, the transition to settlements in national currencies is the first step. We've already seen this occur with recent oil deals between India and Russia being settled in currencies other than dollars. The next step is to provide the circulation of digital or any other form of a fundamentally new currency in the nearest future. I think that at the BRICS Leaders Summit, the readiness to realize this project will be announced. Such works are underway. The BRICS nations are developing a strategy that does not defend the dollar or the euro and that a single currency would likely emerge within BRICS, pegged to gold or other groups of products, such as rare earth elements or soil. Meaning that this group of nations, which represents, again, about 40% of the world's population and a growing portion of the global GDP, they are actively working on developing a new global currency that's tied to either gold and or some other types of physical assets in order to bypass the US dollar. And for your reference, the BRICS leader summit that he mentioned in that statement, it'll be held in August over in South Africa. And this year's summit, well, it might be attended by more than just these five countries. That's because even though at this very moment, only the nations of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa make up the BRICS bloc, other nations are beginning to apply as well. Last year, you had the nation of Iran officially apply to join BRICS. And according to a report that was put out by the Cradle, several other nations have also been expressing their interest in joining the BRICS bloc as well, including Saudi Arabia, Algeria, the United Arab Emirates, Egypt, Argentina, Mexico, as well as Nigeria. However, the fact that this particular group of nations is growing in size, growing in GDP, and are getting ready to launch their own currency, well, these are not the only pieces of bad news for US dollar hegemony. Instead, this is just the latest in a long trend of, I guess what you can call global de-dollarization. For instance, late last week, the leaders of China and Brazil, they jointly announced a new trade agreement, wherein they will buy and sell from each other using their own national currencies and completely circumvent the US dollar. Under this new deal, Brazil and China will carry out trade by directly exchanging the Chinese RMB with Brazilian reals, or vice versa. There will no longer be this intermediary step of converting their local currencies into US dollars, even in the case of oil transactions. Here was a quote from Senator Marco Rubio. He was on Fox News just yesterday talking about this decision by Brazil to ditch the petrodollar and move on over to direct trade with China. Take a listen. Today, Brazil, in our hemisphere, largest country in the Western hemisphere south of us, cut a trade deal with China. They're going to, from now on, do trade in their own currencies, get right around the dollar. They're creating a, a secondary economy in the world, totally independent of the United States. We won't have to talk about sanctions in five years because there'll be so many countries transacting in currencies other than the dollar that, that we won't have the ability to sanction them. As, as we are sitting here, you know, focused on some of these nuttiness that's going on, people that are basically dedicating their lives in this country to ensuring that it is legal to mutilate children, to do drag shows in schools, they, they dedicate their lives to this. And we have a, 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 another superpower that basically wants to become the world's dominant power at our expense. And these people don't want to focus on it. However, this is not only happening in Brazil. And instead, this ditching of the petrodollar appears to be a growing trend, a trend that's catching on around the world. For instance, at the Russia-China summit that was held last week, Vladimir Putin put out the statement, quote, we, meaning Russia, are in favor of using the Chinese Yuan for settlements between Russia and the countries of Asia, Africa, and Latin America. For your reference, it's already been the case ever since the beginning of the Russia-Ukraine proxy war that China has been purchasing Russian oil using both Russian rubles as well as Chinese Yuan. Meanwhile, last week you saw a French company buying 65,000 tons of liquefied natural gas from the United Arab Emirates. And for the first time ever, this French company paid for that gas in Chinese currency. 
This was the first time that such a thing has happened. France bought liquefied natural gas. It was shipped to them on a tanker from the UAE, and they settled the account on the Shanghai Petroleum and National Gas Exchange using, again, not US dollars, but Chinese yuan. Then you have the case of Saudi Arabia, which has not only been moving closer and closer to China, such as by joining the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, but also the government of Saudi Arabia has been expressing more and more willingness to accept local currencies in exchange for their oil. And along that line, just two weeks ago, the Saudi government, they agreed to accept Kenyan shillings as a payment for their oil shipments over to Kenya, again, instead of US dollars. Then you had the government of India. They recently came out and they offered the use of their currency, meaning the Indian rupee, as an alternative to the US dollar for international transactions. Here's a short excerpt from Bloomberg reporting on this exact case. Quote, India will offer its currency as an alternative for trade to countries that are facing a shortage of dollars in the wake of the sharpest tightening in monetary policy by the US Federal Reserve in decades. Then along that very same line, just last week, you had a meeting over in Indonesia where the finance ministers of almost every nation in Southeast Asia were in attendance. And at the very top of the agenda for this particular gathering, well, they were discussing ways to quote, reduce dependence on the US dollar, the Euro, the Yen, and the British pound from financial transactions and move to settlements in local currencies. The meeting discussed efforts to reduce dependence on major currencies through the local currency transaction scheme. This is an extension of the previous local currency settlement scheme that has already begun to be implemented between ASEAN members. ASEAN is, of course, the Association of Southeast Asian Nations. And so, whether it's the BRICS nations creating their own global currency that's backed by gold, or whether it's these individual nations choosing to transact in their own local currencies, what's becoming clear is that more and more countries are trying to minimize their exposure to the US dollar. All right, so obviously the summary here is that the dollar is going to be very quickly challenged by these BRICS nations that are coming together, creating an alternative currency. Uh, while the United States has had precedence and kind of being able to bully people through sanctions and such, these other countries are going to be able to get out from under that with their new currency and this will greatly destabilize the american dollar and with all the banks collapsing in recent days mm -hmm. these are all warning signs uh that we need to be paying attention to and and you know i share all these stories with this in mind that right now on the mainstream news docket the main thing they're talking about is the trump indictment and bud light being canceled right yeah and yet the skies are being seeded with poisons and the plants are being turned into abominations and ai is just around the corner of being able to mimic anybody and yet we're talking about bud light being canceled and trump being indicted you know, like look, that's what look over repeating. here look, look over here while we do this with that in mind I, I, let's check out bud light being canceled for their wokeism this last video Hey guys, welcome to the Liberal Hive Mind, a channel solely focused on exposing the abundant hypocrisy of the left. Well, it seems like speculation was right. Yesterday, I speculated that a viral tweet from a woman in Florida who claimed to be a liquor store owner, saying that her reps, or I guess her distributors, were having a major issue moving Bud Light and that many liquor store owners were straight up banning Bud Light from their stores in general. We speculated that there was probably some merit to the claim and that it wasn't just some random viral political post, 
and it turns out that that speculation was in fact spot on. We now have an Anheuser-Busch affiliate making a public statement to the internet, essentially putting it into the public record that nobody is buying Bud Light. In fact, he's claiming that it's gotten so bad that his personal financial situation is now compromised because of Bud Light's actions. The Bud Light fiasco and the subsequent fallout continues to get even worse than you might have expected. Bud Light got woke and is going broke. Although to be honest, the unfortunate reality is that Bud Light's not going broke. Rather, people are probably gonna lose their jobs or lose their income. Regular folk have to face the consequences. We got some stuff to get into. Let's roll the tape. All right, folks, so we got this tweet right over here from Chuck Colesto who found this clip. Anheuser-Busch affiliate, whose primary sales is Bud Light, says no one is buying the product and when this happens, he can't feed his family. Quote, they don't know their clientele. Thanks, Anheuser-Busch. Um... <clears throat> I work for an affiliate company. I am a merchandiser, and the sole product of the company I work for is Anheuser-Busch products. So with all this canceling going on, um, there's, I mean, I've never seen such little sales in this past few days uh, on these products. And it's, it's sad because people don't buy this beer I don't make money and I can't feed my family so it's kind of uh, heartbreaking I guess that um, Anheuser-Busch did what they did they don't know their clientele so it's uh, kind of heartbreaking thanks Anheuser-Busch I may not be able to feed my family coming up here soon now again, you could play devil's advocate and there's some leftists in the comment section who are claiming that the post lacks credibility. How do we even know that he's really a Bud Light affiliate or salesperson? Which, okay, sure, it's possible, but really that's just leftist copium. I'm pretty sure the guy's serious. There's also these kinds of responses, which I might as well highlight as I'm talking about responses to the video. I hope he gets fired. Let's see how he feeds his family then. He doesn't get paid to give his commentary on their corporate decisions. He's about to go through some things. Ah, the typical compassionate leftist. He doesn't get paid to give his commentary on corporate decisions, but he certainly gets paid based on corporate decisions and the possible fallout from that activism, which is exactly what's happening. I personally believe this is probably an authentic video. You know, this is actually giving me a totally different perspective on the whole get woke go broke thing in the past we viewed it as man screw this woke company let them go broke but this is the first time really that we see the faces of the people who are gonna have to deal with that fallout with the negative impacts of these decisions regular people who are working their nine to five trying to feed their families are the ones who get wrecked by these corporate decisions Generally, what happens with the whole get woke, go broke thing, these big major corporations aren't going to go under and go bankrupt. But what does happen is that people get fired or layoffs occur. Departments get closed and regular people end up facing the consequence. You know, again, I'm failing to see the benefit. The entire phenomenon has been a total mystery to me, completely confusing. Where is the benefit for a company like Gillette to get woke and adopt a radical feminist message, a man-hating message, when their entire client base is men i mean men are the ones who shave where is the positive roi there where is the calculation the same thing with bud light 
Are these marketing agencies seeing something that I'm not? I really don't think so. I think it's just a cultural trend that has become so incredibly pervasive and powerful, especially in places like marketing firms. Companies feel like they don't have a choice. They have to bend the knee to the radical woke mob. They have to appease the radical leftist political faction, almost like paying off the mafia. They have to take the financial hit to protect themselves from possibly being canceled. You know, guys like the salesman from earlier, his financial well-being is just a price that must be paid to pay off the leftist mafia. That's honestly what it feels like, like paying your tribute or paying protection money to the leftist mob. There cannot possibly be any other logical conclusion or reality to these situations. Or maybe I'm not smart or creative enough to be able to actually see what these companies are getting. Because all I'm seeing is brutal boycott and fallout. Here's another example. Clydesdale's cancelled. Local Budweiser distributor cancels upcoming showings. This week's scheduled Budweiser Clydesdale appearances have been cancelled according to a statement from Anheuser-Busch. Local Budweiser distributor Will Fisher Distributing decided to cancel all of the Springfield Clydesdale showings, citing safety concerns for their employees. Now, for those of you guys who are confused, Budweiser and Bud Light, same company, the parent company being Anheuser-Busch. They also own Bush and Bush Light and Natural Light, and honestly, probably much more. But they've been forced to cancel now multiple Budweiser events. Again, where's the positive ROI? Why is it a good thing as a company to do something so divisive, so extreme, to take such a political stance when it means massive profit losses, fallout, a ruining of relationship with your customers, hurting your salespeople's ability to make a living, and also putting you in a position forcing you to have to cancel events due to safety concerns for distributors' employees? But of course, the fallout continues even beyond there. You know, when you make a decision like Anheuser-Busch did, you also put your brand relationships in some trouble. You know, they've made a decision they're going the route of Dylan Mulvaney. And that comes with the consequence of losing other brand ambassadors who don't want to be under that same umbrella. We're now seeing country star Travis Tritt dropping all Anheuser-Busch beers from his tour as backlash continues after Bud Light signed up transactivist Dylan Mulvaney. Country music star Travis Tritt has become the latest celebrity to blast Anheuser-Busch for working with transactivist Dylan Mulvaney on a Bud Light promotion. His decision to remove all of the products from his tour bus comes after fellow singer Kid Rock angrily shot at several cases of Bud Light. You know, it's really a conscious decision. At this point, you're taking a decision in a cultural battle. You're taking a side. It's an us or them situation. And these companies are deciding that they want to be on the side of Dylan Mulvaney. And apparently that's important to their company's future. If that is the decision that they think is best, then go on right ahead. I guess we'll have to see where it leads. I personally find the whole thing fake. I find it plastic. I find it's encouraging a very unfortunate internet trend. I find it creates this very perverse incentive to buy into these leftist trends, let's call them, for endless internet clout attention and now even paid sponsorships. That's why I find this whole Dylan Mulvaney thing very, well, let's just use the same term, unfortunate. Oh, and by the way, speaking of Dylan Mulvaney and paid sponsorships, Nike Woman just partnered with Dylan Mulvaney and they released this paid sponsorship ad drop. What the... That's a guy. I'm sorry. It's like a really bad caricature of a woman. The whole thing just feels inauthentic. It feels like a real slap in the face to your average consumer. These companies want to marry themselves to the cultural woke movement, and I think consumers are going to respond 
accordingly. I don't think the issue is that consumers are transphobic bigots. I think women consumers who want to buy Nike women products, not in all cases, but in many cases, just want female sports gear to be advertised as basic female sports gear and not with an overt cultural political message. And regular dudes who just want to drink a Bud Light after work, again, just want a beer. They don't want a beer with a side serving of Dylan Mulvaney's face. I don't know, just an idea. Get woke, go broke. That's what I got for you guys on this one. Hopefully you enjoyed the video. If you did, make Alrighty. sure you like and possibly subscribe to the channel. Thanks for watching, folks. I love the liberal hive mind. That's one of my favorite YouTube channels to watch when I'm not doing anything. But, I mean, we went from having feminists to, like, that actually stood up for females to now they're accepting men as females. It just... My my brain can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, it's all about inversion world. It's all about them turning what is good to evil and what is evil to good. And it, in some ways, you know, the feminist movement had a lot of good qualities, uh, but also it had negative. <laughs> but then they swayed so past just the... Uh, the empowerment of women which um you know can be used for good and bad such as you know destroying the the modern family you know taking women out of the home who you know from being mothers to being you know uh heavily forced into the workforce where pretty much you have to give up your children to be indoctrinated by the state and uh and and then they they kind of came full circle to where now they're fighting against the their own agendas that they were once pushing. And it's really crazy to see. Uh, something I wanted to mention about this cancellation of the of Anheuser-Busch products. Uh, that I heard Owen Benjamin, who we just had on last episode, mentioned in one of his streams. Was with this trans agenda, it is very telling that conservative media is publicizing more about the trans movement, more about the minors attracted people, more about these cross-dressers than even the left is posting them. And while the left uplifts them and makes it an honorable, beautiful thing, the publicity is coming from the conservative arm of media. And whenever you go to some uh, some mainstream conservative voices pages on Twitter or on uh, you know Instagram, it's constant post after post talking about and 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 while they are denouncing it and saying it's bad, they're publicizing this garbage everywhere, mm -hmm. giving more and more of a voice to these minority groups that are all about the woke agenda, right? And yep. so uh, I thought that was very interesting that Owen pointed out that conservative voices are doing more to help promote these agendas by posting about it, by talking about it. And, uh, and I, you know, I don't want to also be that way because I know in the past I've like during Pride Month, you know, we talked a lot about, hey, you know, this is the next trick they're pulling or, hey, you know – you know, I don't want to fall into that trap because he's right. Mm. How do we beat them 
by not publicizing them, giving them more of a voice, putting them on our platforms, showing their gross pictures to everyone to, to celebrate if they disagree or to have to look at if they don't agree, you know? And yeah, so this is, you know, Mr. Beast, the viral YouTuber? I've heard of him. I've never seen a video, but I know who he is. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting that one of his main sidekicks, you know, his, his friend, Chris, uh, just pretty much completely abandoned his wife and toddler to become a trans, uh, wow. pretty bleak state of reality. Now, this is such a prevalent influencer of young people, right? Well, well, Skeeba News so Nation, that way I we want to expose the yeah. truth, you know? So I feel like we're doing a good service. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. It's just uh, it's it's so crazy that this sucks in the attention of the conservative people of this nation, and uh, and in the face of some of the much more prevalent stories I've shared earlier in our episode today, like why do we care about these stupid movements? We need to be marching in the streets for the sake of our lives and our health, right? Mm -hmm. And yet we're so distracted by these minor topics these are what we're debating and arguing about and publicizing oh it's such a drama that trump was indicted oh look what the trans people did this week but instead let's focus on the hard-hitting important truths such as our survival in the face of uh, a diabol diabolical plot to control manipulate and poison mankind you know mm-hmm Agreed. All right, Jeremiah. That's all the news for this week. And I uh, hope you enjoyed and, and uh, got something out of that one. Well, thank you, Jake, or as you said, Mr. Dogfather, for another great current news, <laughs> man. I appreciate it. Now it's time for a word from our good friend, JJ. Now a word from our sponsor. Now, personally, I've tried every CBD product on the market to help me manage my pain. I have degenerative disc disease and nothing has ever helped me until I tried JJ's Natural CBD Rub. So when I found out that we had the opportunity to work together, I was so excited that I could share this amazing product with you guys here on Skiba News Nation. So if you want to manage your pain like I did, text CBD to 920-382-7720 for an exclusive $50 off a three pack special. Also, check out all the testimonials on their website, jjcbdrub.com. Get pain relief like I did by getting yourself some JJ's Natural CBD Rub today. Check out more info down in the description below. Thank you as always, JJ. Well, uh, I think it's about that time. It's about that time for an all-new Opa's Corner. Take it away, Opa. My hood, der hat drei Ecken. Drei Ecken hat mein Hut. Und hat er nicht drei Ecken, dann ist es nicht mein Hut. Now it's time for Opa's Corner. Let's get started right away. <laughs> A blonde goes into work one morning, crying her eyes out. Her boss asked sympathetically, 
What's the matter? The blonde replies, Early this morning, I got a phone call saying that my mother passed away. The boss, feeling sorry for her, says, Why don't you go home for the day, take the day off, and relax and rest? Thanks, but I'm better off here. I need to keep my mind off of it, and I have a better chance of doing that here. The boss agrees and allows the blonde to work as usual. A couple of hours pass, and the boss decides to check on the blonde. He looks out from his office and sees the blonde crying hysterically. What's so bad now? Are you going to be okay? he asks. No, explains the blonde. I just received a horrible call from my sister. Her mother died too. <laughs> That's dark. <laughs> Three dinosaurs stumbled across a magic lamp. They rubbed it, and a genie appeared. I have three wishes, so I'll give one to each of you, the genie announces. The first dinosaur thinks hard. All right, he says, I'll have a big, juicy piece of meat. Instantly, the biggest, juiciest piece of meat he'd ever seen appears in front of him. Not to be outdone, the second dinosaur thinks even harder. I know. I'll have a shower of meat. Immediately, huge pieces of meat rain down around him. The third dinosaur, certainly not to be outdone, thinks harder than the previous dinosaurs. I've got it, he cries. I want a meteor shower. <laughs> A woman has twin boys and gives them up for adoption. The first goes to a family in Egypt, which names him Amal. The second goes to a family in Spain, which names him Juan. Years later, Juan sends a picture of himself to his birth mother. Excited at receiving the picture, she tells her husband that she wishes she also had a picture of Amal. Her husband responds, They're twins! If you've seen one, you've seen them all! Uh. <laughs> A wife asks her husband who his favorite vampire is. He replied, The one from Sesame Street. She says, He doesn't count. He replied, Oh, I assure you he does. <laughs> A man just finishes his LASIK eye surgery, and his surgeon leads him in his office to discuss the surgery. So, would you like to have the good news or the bad news first, the surgeon says. The man excitedly replies, I'll take the good news first. The surgeon says, well, you're about to get a new dog. Two engineers were standing at the base of a flagpole, looking at its top. A blonde walked by and asked what they were doing. We're supposed to find the height of this flagpole, said Sven, but we don't have a ladder. The woman took a wrench from her purse, loosened a couple of bolts, 
and laid the pole down on the ground. Then she took a tape measure from her handbag, took a measurement, and announced, 21 feet 6 inches, and walked away. One engineer shook his head and laughed. <laughs> Typical blonde. We ask for the height, and she gives us the length. <laughs> a fly feels a bug on its back. Hey, bug on my back. Are you a mite? Asks the fly. Um, I might be, giggles the mite. That's the worst pun I've ever heard, groans the fly. What do you expect, said the mite. I came up with it on a fly. <laughs> a son asks his father, I feel like you're always making up rules and stuff. Like what? Like if I don't clean my room, a portal will open up and take me to another dimension. Well, that's what happened to your older brother. What older brother? Exactly. <laughs> and now for the funnies. <laughs> Man. I hate elevator music. <laughs> Creative writing. Remember, your first sentence needs to grab the reader's attention. The human opened a can of tuna. <laughs> Again, why is it that the revolution always gets this far and then everyone just chickens out. <laughs> I don't mean to sound judgmental, but that's one ugly bird. <laughs> it's a Terminator bird. You think I'm going to be the breadwinner while you just loaf all day? You aren't the only slice of toast in the world, Melba. Mother warned me not to marry a sourdough. <laughs> yes, I received your paperwork. My assistant, Ed, is on it right now. <laughs> she called me her emotional support cat. I can't handle this kind of pressure, Jessica. Yeah, you are in way over your head. <laughs> Bud's cartoon repair. Thanks for coming. Something's wrong. Everything seems a little too quiet and normal today. <laughs> This is the medicine for Spunky's condition. And this is the medicine for your condition once you try giving Spunky his medicine. <laughs> uh. Not much. Just chilling with my peeps. 
I just book us this gig on Fort Myers Beach. They need someone to come down and rid the beach of all the spring breakers. <laughs> she may have said nothing's wrong, but what did her tail look like? I really didn't notice her. Damn it, Steve! You have to look for the puffy tail! <laughs> Bad cat! Stop putting Rusty's water bowl in the freezer! <laughs> They'll never stop trying to find us, you know. Today's film is on the gingerbread reproductive system. If I hear any giggling, I'll turn the projector off. <laughs> well, the sloth nailed him. You know old Hank never was exactly a quick draw. Just because it's a box doesn't mean you have to sit. I've got a problem, Clarence. <laughs> Egg dying contest. <laughs> well, hell no, I can't tell Harriet. First thing she's gonna ask me is what was I doing checking out a decoy? Hey man, I just stabbed a thumb in a sewing incident and I need to lay low for a while. Can you help me out? Sure. I know of a haystack on the edge of town where you'll be safe until the heat dies down. <laughs> Look Tom, I'm a passenger pigeon. You're a carrier pigeon. I don't make the rules. <laughs> it helps me reach my goals. Today, I sat on the floor, the counter, a chair, a keyboard, two laps, and a term paper. I need to get a sit bit. <laughs> I'm usually a basket case this time of year. Go on, go on, I'm all ears. <laughs> there you go again. Every time the bears fight, you're right there. <laughs> Shh, show up. The place you're looking for is straight over them hills. Of course, that's as the crow flies, not as the chicken walks. <laughs> Great Scott, Professor! If our calculations are correct, the song was right. All we are is dust in the wind.
who would dump out my delivery and steal the box? <laughs> Pay or I play. <laughs> I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll buy a controlling interest in your company as part of a hostile takeover bid. Three Pigs Home Builders, Inc. <laughs> I can't even imagine the self-control required to work at a bubble wrap factory. And this concludes another Opa's Corner. Mein Hut, der hat drei Ecken, drei Ecken hat mein Hut. Und hat er nicht drei Ecken, dann ist es nicht mein Hut. Opa's Corner is now available on my own YouTube channel. Like, share, and subscribe. Thank you, Opa, for another great Opus Corner. I love the cat ones as always. And uh, like that guy said from last week, you're, you're not fired, I promise. Anyways, it's time for some mystery. So this week for history, we're going to be talking about this man right here, Charles Manson. Now, a lot of you may think of Charles Manson as like a serial killer or a, or a crazy cult leader, but what if I told you he wasn't any of those? Like, what if I told you that Charles Manson's story goes a lot deeper than the official story? What if I told you that Charles Manson didn't kill anybody and wasn't at the scene of the crime, at, at any of those crimes that he was convicted of? And what if I told you that Charles Manson was a product of MKUltra? Well, that's what I'm going to be trying to present here in this first clip. So check this out. The original story goes that Manson believed that there was going to be a race war. And he wanted to incite this race war because he had convinced the his official followers story. that through messages he received from the Beatles' White Album, from their lyrics, from biblical uh, Old Testament prophecies, that um, he had been told that he was going to be the savior of the world. And once the race war started, he would hide his family in a bottomless pit in the desert. And when the race war ended with the blacks winning, the blacks would be framed for, for murders. The Manson family would emerge and repopulate the planet with their perfect offspring and dominate. ...is reminiscent of a weird religious rite. Five persons, including actress Sharon Tate, were found dead at the home of Miss Tate and her husband, screen director Roman Polyak. ...lives were damaged by the CIA. Tell their stories publicly for the first time. They believe they were part of a CIA project called MKUltra. Here's a flashback that no one really expected. Imagine your mother on an acid trip. I'm talking June Cleaver on LSD. Everything is in color and, and I can feel the air. I can, I can see it. I can see all the molecules. There's a revolution. We'll be here. When do you expect this revolution? Did you expect this verdict? 
the revolution. What do you mean by a revolution? A bloody revolution. Are you saying? I question him, huh? Are you saying? Saying? Yes. That's relative. Manson and his killer cult, the JFK assassination, MK Ultra, Jack Ruby, LSD, and other CIA projects. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people, then I would have felt better. Then when I felt like I really offered society something. Like most people in his profile, Charlie didn't have a great childhood. He had an absent father and had a mother that was in and out of prison. Manson never had a stable home and spent a lot of his time getting into trouble. Charlie Manson was basically just sort of a two-bit criminal who had spent most of his life inside the system. When he was released about age 32 and 67, all federal institutions too, which was interesting. This was one of the first strange things about the Manson story. The amount of times he broke parole, got into trouble, should have landed him many more years in prison. Yet, for some reason, he kept getting out. And they allowed Charles Manson over and over and over again to get out of jail. A real turning point in my reporting was after I got access to Manson's parole file, this record, a pretty substantial record, I took it to someone named Louis Wachneck, who was a retired judge. I brought the documents to him. We laid them all out. And he's looking at all the documents, and he's seeing this pattern of catch, release, catch, release. And he's going, he should have gone back the first time they wanted him out. He said he, that he was more important to somebody out than in. On this time where Charlie created the family. He used his charm to gather a group mostly of young women who were seen as free-spirited hippies and a few men who idolized his so-called forward thinking. He was like Christ and he had the answers. The trial that had occurred that had been prosecuted by Vincent Pugliosi had a lot of malfeasance in it uh, by the prosecution. They planted a former prosecutor on the defense team to sabotage the defense. Two or three of the principal witnesses, including Terry Melcher, who played a big part in this, lied on the stand. You commit perjury in a murder trial, you could get a, a murder sentence too because of that. So there was about a dozen of those. So if you committed perjury during a murder trial, you could be sentenced for murder for the same amount of time that someone would get sentenced if they murdered somebody. You are subject to an actual capital. You could be sent to the chair. The five people who were convicted of murder in the first trial, had I been around and able to prove this in the early 70s, Vincent Pugliosi and the three people who lied on the stand in a material way, you know, in a very important way, they all could have been tried for that perjury or given the same sentence that the people who had gotten the death sentence. There was some sort of a CIA program where they infiltrated these hippie communities and they allowed Charles Manson over and over and over again to get out of jail. Yeah. They knew that he was committing all these crimes. We have to be careful him. when we say they. Who's they? Yeah, we have to break it all down. But One of the other things I found out that was very significant was that Manson had a parole officer, his first parole officer, who kind of had given him a get-out-of-jail-free card for the first year after Manson was released from prison. Smith? Roger Smith, yeah. yeah. And he was a criminologist in uh, the Bay Area. Manson violated his parole the day that he was released in Los Angeles. You'd think it's a little lie, but it's an important lie that Vince Bugliosi presented, not just at trial, but also in his book. At trial, it's much more serious. He changed the narrative. He said yeah. Manson had been given permission to travel to San Francisco from L.A. To San Francisco from L.A. So remember San Manson Francisco. Manson hadn't been given that permission. He just showed up there. They originally were going to violate him. 
sent him right back to prison. Someone stepped in and took care of that and let Manson stay in San Francisco, and he was assigned to Roger Smith. Through a Freedom of Information Act process, I got his federal parole file, and those were the kind of seeds of how I found out that Manson had this immunity from prosecution for the two years he was out of prison from 67 until the murders occurred in the summer of 69. Who was Smith? doing this for? Who was giving him the instructions to continue to let Manson out and to continue to monitor him? Well, that's the problem. I didn't get the whole file, and the file I got had redactions. He would report to the head office, and they would give him instructions, uh, and then he would violate those instructions, and there'd be no repercussions for him or for Manson. For instance, Manson was arrested in July of 1967, three or four months after he got out of prison, when he was under Roger Smith's supervision for um, interfering with an officer uh, who was trying to arrest one of his first young followers. He was put in jail, pled out, so he got a three-day sentence, a new probation sentence as well, and all that was hidden. It's not in Bugliosi's book. The parole officer, Roger Smith, a week later wrote to the head office that Manson was doing fine, and he actually recommended that Manson be allowed to go to Mexico and work in Mexico. And the head parole office in, in the United States, since it's federal, wrote back and they said, that's insane. So I fell down the deepest, darkest rabbit hole with Charles Manson and everything that had to do with Charlie Manson. Um, now, what if I told you, Jake, that Charlie Manson was a beach boy? Would you believe me? Would you believe me? Wow, no, I, I, yeah, no, I've never heard that. Well, Opa, can you pull up that picture? This is on the left, Dennis Wilson, and that's Charles Manson on the right. And so there's a lot of ties that have to do with the last clip I just showed with the prosecutor and, and they totally framed him. And, and it's my belief that Charlie Manson was a, a a product of MK Ultra, so that's that's what I'm gonna show you in this next clip. His relationship with the Beach Boys. I'm sure most of you are aware of who Charles Manson is and those gruesome murders, but some of you may not know he released his debut album while in jail in March of 1970. But what's even crazier to me is that there exists a whole other album that he recorded with the Beach Boys at Brian Wilson's home studio and this has yet to see the light of day. Information on this lost album is very scarce. For obvious reasons, most people in or connected to the Beach Boys want to distance themselves from the whole affair. Charlie wanted to be a rock star. He wrote songs with my cousin Dennis, and, and, um, and when things didn't work out, then he, full of rage, he wanted to kill some people. Mm -hmm. He tied it to something that he called Helter Skelter, which was gonna be a race war. Which was made up by something. the prosecution wacky to start it. I mean, it was, it was what, weird. What's what we do know is that Charles Manson got involved with the Beach Boys through their drummer, Dennis Wilson. Now, there are several accounts of how they first met. One involves Dennis getting picked up by an associate of Charles while hitchhiking, and yet Charles himself stated that he first met Dennis in San Francisco. There's However, San Francisco the most again. likely story is that one day in April of 1968, Dennis picked up two women hitchhiking, and he brought them back to his newly rented home at 14400 Sunset Boulevard. For Dennis, he was always the most reckless and adventurous member of the Beach Boys, and being newly divorced, it was often the case he would bring home young women. However, this time, 
something was different. The women told Dennis about Charles Manson, describing him as a musician, poet, and leader of their group, later known as the family. At some point, Dennis left the women at the house and he went to Brian Wilson's house for a recording session. When he came back to his house around three in the morning, he found it full of people, and this is most likely when Dennis first met Charles. He was drawn to Charles's charismatic personality and his reputation as a folk singer and songwriter. A friendship soon developed between the two men that was mutually beneficial. Manson was eager to use Dennis's connections to further his music career, and Dennis took full advantage of Manson's ability to bring young women to the house and partake in the psychedelic drug-fueled sex Soon after meeting, Charles and roughly two dozen members of his family took up residence at Dennis's home for about five months. During that time, the family exploited Dennis's hospitality, running errands in his cars, eating his food, selling or giving away his possessions, wearing his clothes, having wild parties, and Dennis seemed to enjoy it all, at least for a time. Dennis felt a lot of guilt over becoming rich at such a young age, to the point where he actively gave away a lot of his money to his friends, and so I think it's safe to say he probably enjoyed sharing his wealth with Charles and his followers. In 1971, an anonymous member of the Beach Boys told Rolling Stone magazine, I suppose the lifestyle appealed to him. Dennis ran up the largest bill in history the time the whole family got the Dennis's mother, Audrey Wilson, said, they were just hippies and he, Dennis, thought Manson was the nicest person, a very gentle, nice guy. I did think they were a bunch of leeches. After the release of Pet Sounds in 1966, the Beach Boys creative driving force, Brian Wilson, started to experience a period of emotional stress and erratic behavior. His songwriting output slowed significantly, and by the summer of 1968, Brian found himself in a psychiatric hospital seeking treatment. The Beach Boys had a serious bout with drugs and was diagnosed as schizophrenic, staying in bed for four years in the early 70s. as Brian is, as much as I admire him, I really don't think he likes to be in the limelight. I don't think so at all. I just don't think so. I think now, at this point in his life, he'll probably do anything to stay out of it. Dennis, however, loved the limelight. He was a natural ham, just wanting to please people offstage as well as on. Hi. My name is Dennis Wilson. I make rock and roll records. There was a magnetism about him, charisma. He was unpretentious, charming, and had a heart of gold. From all accounts, Dennis was very gentle and unpretentious, but he was also defiant and undisciplined, constantly hunting for pleasure but never finding happiness. On top of this, their popularity as a band had reached its lowest level, and they were generally seen as uncool. They were also facing mounting debt, and they had a fast-approaching deadline of delivering one last album to fulfill their contract with Capitol Records. So with Brian out of the picture, the rest of the band were stuck picking up the reins, either by finishing songs Brian started or writing new songs themselves. Dennis was a gifted songwriter, However, he struggled with writing lyrics, but this was something that Charles had a gift for. Neil Young said, Manson would sing a song and just make it up as he went along for three or four minutes, and he would never repeat one word, and it all made perfect sense, and it shook you up to listen to it. It was so good that it scared you. He had this kind of music that nobody else was doing. I thought he really had something crazy, something great. He was like a living poet. Dennis admired Charles's musical talent and wanted to help him be heard. And so sometime during the summer of 68, Dennis arranged for Charles to start recording some of his songs at Brian Wilson's home studio. According to Charles, he recorded about 10 songs and they
they were very well produced, with some members of the Beach Boys playing on the tracks and some of his female followers singing backup vocals. Around 100 hours were put on tape with about six to eight songs recorded. Some of the material was pretty good. He had musical talent. Now we don't know what songs were recorded, but we can assume that they were probably a lot of the same songs that appeared on Charles's debut. Dennis told a UK magazine, the wizard is Charles Manson, who is another friend of mine. He sings, plays, and writes poetry, and may be another artist for Brother Records. Now, Brother Records was the newly formed record label created by the Beach Boys in order to give themselves total creative control over their music. Each member was encouraged to bring talent they discovered and record them. Also, during this time, Charles wrote the song Cease to Exist as a way to heal the differences the Beach Boys were experiencing at this time. The band bought the song, paying Charles some amount of cash along with a motorcycle. When asked why the band didn't give Charles songwriting credit, Dennis said he didn't want that. He wanted money instead. I gave him about $100,000 worth of stuff. Once they bought the song, Dennis changed some of the lyrics and retitled it Never Learn Not to Love. The band then recorded it in their signature style and released it in December as a B-side to the single Bluebirds Over the Mountain. This angered Charles though, as he felt if they hadn't have changed his lyrics, the song would have been a hit. Terry Melcher, son of Doris Day and producer of some of the bigger hits by the birds. Terry thought Charles had some talent, but not enough to help him get a recording contract with a major label, but he was interested in recording his music and possibly making a documentary on Charles and the family. Gradually, Dennis grew tired of the endless party at his Sunset Boulevard home, and since his lease was set to expire at the beginning of September, he moved out to a beach house a month early in August of 1968. He didn't exactly let Charles know what was going on and left it up to the Beach Boys manager to evict everyone still living there. So, so notice that they keep saying San Francisco, which is interesting because the place where it's now been discovered that, you know, MK Ultra and Charlie Manson was a part of MK Ultra was, in fact, San Francisco. Uh, like, Charlie Manson knew a lot of famous musicians like, like Neil Young, and um, he probably knew Jim Morrison and all the people from Laurel Canyon. Now, Jake, what is the drug they used for MK Ultra experiments? Do you know? Ooh, it the, would be the main one. Lysergic nitrithamine acid. I don't know. Is that <laughs> LSD? Right? LSD. Right. So keep that in mind because I'll come back to that. Now, if YouTube doesn't copyright strike this video, I'm going to show you next. Um, I would like to play a clip of the song Cease to Exist, which is Charles Manson's song, and then the Beach Boys one. But before that, <laughs> I'm going to explain uh, my two big theories that I've never seen anywhere on YouTube of Charles Manson, LSD, and like just the darkness surrounding his case, the darkness surrounding, you know, how he could have been framed. So, check this out. Now, as I was creating this Charles Manson Beach Boys video, I thought to myself, being a huge Beach Boys fan, isn't it ironic that Brian Wilson, the genius mind behind the Beach Boys, developed mental illness after one bad LSD trip? And then you think, what did MKUltra use on its victims? LSD. So was Charles Manson trying to infiltrate the Beach Boys? It kind of makes you think, huh? Well, that's not the craziest of my theories, but we'll be talking about that here in a little bit.
Now what I'm about to play is a clip of Charles Manson's music, and personally I think it's actually pretty good, but I'll let you guys be the judge of that. And I'm actually curious what you guys actually think, so leave me a comment below and let me know if you like him or not. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Cease to exist Just come and say you love me Give up your work Come on, you can't be Now that was Charles Manson's version. Here's Dennis Wilson and the Beach Boys version. Now I must say, I'm a Beach Boys fan. I'm a big fan of their music. But their album is called 2020, people. What is 2020 and Helter Skelter, aka the race war, have to do with each other? Does it sound familiar? Did Charles Manson have inside knowledge on what the government was planning to do in this day and age with the media? Or maybe I'm just crazy. The third precinct of the Minneapolis Police Department on fire, nearby businesses ablaze. This is how the night of May 28th unfolded. George Floyd's arrest and death in police custody on Monday set off protests in the Twin Cities. The protesters are demanding that criminal charges be brought against the officers involved. Put their fists up! Yeah! We all here! All lives matter! When that didn't happen on Thursday, some demonstrators escalated their tactics while others tried to keep the peace. Now, suspiciously, uh, well, I say suspiciously, Dennis Wilson's cause of death, he was, he had just divorced his wife. There was a yacht that they both shared. And when they would fight on the boat, he would throw stuff out the window of the boat into the water. So when he died, he was very depressed. He, his, his wife had left him. And what he was doing was he was diving into the marina, I believe is what you call it. I don't, I don't know, but he was diving in the water. And he was swimming to the bottom and collecting the things that, that he had thrown out prior. And then, uh, this is what the official story is, that he bumped his head on a dock, like on, on one of those wooden docks, and drowned. But he was found in the fetal position, which I maybe I should do a whole other history segment on that because it's, it's super weird and interesting. But what are your thoughts, Jake? Oh man, yeah, it's it's so interesting how they seem to cover up the connection between this guy and the music he influenced, you know. I maybe just because he was so uh uh I don't know. He was charismatic. Blacklisted? Yeah. Charismatic or something. Maybe they just didn't want people associating the tie but uh it's just uh i'm just really interested you're bringing this out man this is like this is music history <laughs> yeah and i mean like the beach boys like this album right here this is called pet sounds this is 
by far my favorite album and I've listened to a lot of albums but in my opinion this is the most perfect album in the world everything about it is is it's like it's like nothing I can't even explain it but it's it's my favorite record of all time and if you haven't listened to it check it out I, I mean I don't know if uh, there are any subliminal messages in there or anything but I, I don't know it's just cool how they brought so they they influenced sergeant pepper and music after that with pet sounds paul mccartney or and they say he's dead but it's it's the same paul mccartney but paul mccartney said that sergeant pepper and their later music was inspired by pet sounds by the beach boys so i always thought that was pretty interesting and Music history is very interesting, in my opinion, because I'm a musician, you're a musician, and maybe a lot of people that are watching are musicians, who knows? So I hope you guys enjoyed this week's history segment. Uh, if you like the Charles Manson thing, or the if you want me to cover Dennis Wilson again, leave me a comment, let me know, and then I'll do it. So that's all I got. I hope you guys enjoyed. All right, man. Well, you got some memes for me, I, I'm told. Yes, yes I do. Let's uh let's get into some memorific memes. Alright, meme me up. Meme me up. Alright, so uh we got a couple different ones for this week. Uh pretty interesting. I this one's a little bit more informative. I, I uh I remember seeing this a long time ago and I know we talked about AI in today's news. Uh but have you ever heard that the term Bluetooth that we all use on our phones originated back from the Viking King Harold Gormsum who reigned over a thousand years ago? and is well known for unifying the factions of Denmark and Norway, which is similar to how the Bluetooth technology today allows different electronic devices to communicate. And the Bluetooth logo is a combination of Nordic runes for his initials, HB. Huh. I, I thought that was super interesting. That is interesting. Mr. Nordic, Crazy. the Bluetooth originator. Anyways. Uh, Mr. Bluetooth. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> he was known to have been called Bluetooth. Uh, the, okay, so it says there's a debate about how he got his nickname. It said he enjoyed eating blueberries, which caused his teeth to turn blue, or that he had a dead tooth, which had a dark gray-blue <laughs> color. <laughs> so that's why he was called Bluetooth. <laughs> that's kind of funny. Wow. Yeah. All right, uh, here we go. Uh, me realizing AI, the most powerful tool that mankind has ever created, is now in the hands of a ruthless corporate monopoly. <laughs> Elmo. Ah! Ah! That's oh, funny. Boy. Uh, <laughs> on the Anheuser-Busch Sega, uh, just one more beer, then I'm going home. One Bud Light later. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, so, this is Abel. You know, Abel from the Bible was the first man to be murdered. Abel waiting in heaven for someone else to die. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I, what, I wonder if anybody's going to come. <laughs> I wonder who is next. Yeah. <laughs> who is next to die? 
Uh, you heard of uh, Elf on the Shelf. Get ready for hmm. mail on an ale. <laughs> is that what it is? I think that's the, the funny, like, you know, Elf on the Shelf. This is a, a male on an ale. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's pretty oh, funny. Okay, so uh, Easter Bunny. That's ridiculous. We're both so drunk. I'm surprised you even remember that party. How? Oh, and how do you even know they're mine? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, Easter Bunny and eggs and people that celebrate the Eshtar holiday. Yeah. Um, you know, right, that, that never made sense to me. The Easter Easter story, the, the Easter Bunny lays eggs, right? I, I never understood that. Even as a kid, I mean, my mom always told me that all these all these holidays were pagan. And she told me Christmas was a lie and everything. But... Uh, kids are kids supposed to believe that an Easter bunny poops out these eggs? Uh, you know, I, I think it's all just fertility metaphors that we've inherited through bunny rabbits are super procreative and eggs are but what a is a bunny? fertility from the what chickens. Is a, what is a woman? You know, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm not an expert on animal. I'm not a biologist. I don't know. <laughs> All right, so uh, COVID nineteen was an inside yab. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was. All right. Uh, just recently, uh, the Dalai Lama <laughs> oh. got pointed out for being a chomo, and uh, he had like this little boy, yeah. like kissing his tongue. It was gross. <laughs> Man, Catholics, <I'm>... no! <laughs> yeah. I'm right here. That's not me. That's the Dalai Lama. Sorry, <laughs> force of habit. Because <laughs> of the priest. Oh man. <laughs> yep. Yep. That video is so sick, by the way. Oh yeah. All's timer today. Super action into depression. Joe Biden. Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> now I put Captioned that. Captioned by yours truly, Jeremiah Skiba. Yeah, super action into depression. I had to spell it out phonetically because I don't really know what he was saying when he when he said that. I'm so glad you have this typed out because you've done this in several episodes, and now I can actually like do it. I can learn how you, what you say because you say it so fast, I can't catch it. Stupid international added in depression. Yeah, oh, right. yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. So everybody, right, do it at uh, home. Stupid international depression. <laughs> Yes. Practice your Joe Biden meme work. All right. Uh, uh, I'm spiritual. No, you just smoke weed, collect rocks, and hear voices in your head. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I've heard about this my whole life. A fork in the road. Uh. <laughs> so technically, Moses was the first man to download files from the cloud using a tablet. <laughs> yeah. I guess that would mean he's also the first one to drop his tablet and on the ground and break it. <laughs> yeah, true. As many people have gone through that tough time, you know. Mm -hmm. Look at this uh, bike here. It runs on natural gas. Ooh, I like that. Might get me one of them. I you can poop. do multiple things at once. You can travel poop, poop and take and care of your business. 
Yep, poop and drive at the same time. Uh, is this real oh. or Photoshop? The water is totally fine in Ohio. Uh, <laughs> that freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. I think it's Photoshop. They put a pig on a fish, but it's funny because of all the... Yeah. The scare, fear going around, the chemical spill there. The mutations. Like Chernobyl. Alrighty. Voted best female swimmer is male. Best female cyclist is a male. Best female runner is a male. Best female Jeopardy player is a male. Male wins woman of the year. Male wins woman's beauty pageant. And all the other, uh, in this inaccurate, you know, heliocentric deception uh all the planets are looking at earth like you're a clown bro you're a clown <laughs> i bet you that that is what earth looks like from the moon from the astronauts you know <laughs> just a big clown. oh oh yeah yeah when they look back it's just a big clown it, it actually looks better than than the artist rendering <laughs> i can actually oh, yeah, tell what it than is the cg yeah CGI, yeah <laughs> all right uh <laughs> I don't normally surf the internet, but when I do, I browse. <laughs> uh. All right. <laughs> now, Opa sent me this one. Uh, of course, I didn't mean to offend you. It was a huge bonus, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I mean, people can be so easily offended, and... Uh, you know, as long as you have the right motivation to uh, get them to see through the to the truth, sometimes stepping on their toes is what they need to shake them out of their comfort. But <laughs> well, I look at it this way: if they're offended by something I say, that that's not my problem. Like that's your problem, right? I, that's why I think yep. it's it's hilarious when people get offended because I'm just saying what I feel. I, I mean, I I physically can't be any other way. You know, I can't pretend to be something that i'm not so if you're offended yeah I'm that's sorry. a good quality as i as i heard when i was a young person uh we got to make sure if we can deal it out we got to be able to take it too yeah all right here we go uh so today at church a guy in a suit tried to drown me and i kid you not my family just stood there taking pictures. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Every every year at uh, Passover in Sukkot, we have uh, a couple dozen baptisms. So it's it's a it's a beautiful thing if you understand that, you know, the reason that the Messiah said, "Go therefore into all nations, baptizing them, and then teaching them all that I command you," is because whenever you realize that the act of baptism not only represents the old man flowing down the river and the new person coming out to be born again, right? Mm -hmm. But also it's an act of cleansing the conscience. And so you do something physically to reset your consciousness. And the reason Yahushua, right, told everybody to be baptized first and then to teach them all the things he commanded them was because baptism is like, seems like such a simple silly easy thing to do just dip in the water what that's mm -hmm. it but if you're willing to humble yourself in such a simple thing and obey that then it sets up a precedence for a faith walk of growing in obedience walking after the example of the messiah 
So that's why uh, baptism is, is such important. It, I mean, you know, if you can start with the silly, simple thing like that and do it just because he told us to, you know, then that's a good place to start moving forward. Yep. All right. Uh, that's a nice grave there. Would be a shame if someone rose from it. But <laughs> resurrection season. All right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. And one more here. We got uh, people talking to me in the morning and me processing the trauma <laughs> of waking up. That one's funny. Yeah. Yeah, I might get a pink, a pink slip for that, guys. <laughs> I wonder who wrote that. All right. I'm, I'm curious. Yeah, just one of our young fans. One of our mm. young fans for last week's episode was like, Opa, so many cat jokes, but I think people like them, guys. I love them, and I have, I'm the parent of three cats, so. Yep. And, and there, uh, for our final... <laughs> For our final uh, little thing here, uh, I have collaborated with Opa, who thought it would be uh, entertaining to send me these exclusive pictures, Jeremiah. Some mm. very special pictures that our audience may not have ever seen. And uh, we were, we were, uh, excuse me, we were talking about your time as a mascot, you know, and mm -hmm. wondering. What kind of mindset as a kid develops that oh, no. skill of being a mascot when you grow up? And so Opa went into the archives and found some pictures of young mascot Jeremiah as a variety of char characters. And okay. so uh, I thought it would be funny if we, uh, you know threw some of these up there for the audience just to see what young Jeremiah looked like and and if you hey if you want to do some impressions I think you would add to it just gonna say so here's our first one courtesy of Opa Superman Superman I, I took those photos myself by the way I thought I was the coolest thing ever oh wow <laughs> kryptonite alright alright next picture we have I was a blues brother. Is that a blues brother? Yes. A blues brother? I was obsessed with the blues brothers when I was a little kid. <laughs> I will say that's like that's like so unique. Like I, I, I could totally guess people doing superheroes, but a blues brother? <laughs> wow. I, I mean I made the whole costume and everything. It was great. And nobody knew who I was. They 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 probably I thought they thought I was one of those, you know, guys that walk around like that. You know? The, Professional blues brother. Imitator. Yeah. Men in black. Men in black. Alright, we got another one here. Uh, oh. Yes. So it's Is like it, are you, what are you there? A, a, a an Orthodox Jew? What are, <laughs> No, that's what I was in the last the last photo. No, it's like Indiana Jones, oh, okay. but if you like Indiana yeah. and Dakota and then Smith is like Jones, common last name. I mean Dakota I Smith. Thought it, oh, thought it was all right. Nice, nice. And uh, we have one. Oh, I think we. Yeah, let me see. Oh, we have another one here. Hold on. And this is, is this, Woody Jeremiah, 
Um, All right. I, I can't confirm nor deny it. <laughs> let's do. Let's hear an impression, man. Of who? Of Woody? Yeah, yeah. Um, Woody's hard, but he goes, Buzz! That's probably the best I could do. <laughs> I, I was thinking you were going to go, oh, there's a snake well, in my boot. Yeah, you could pull the string. I, I still remember every single thing. Like, every time he pulled it, he would go, uh, Yeehaw, cowboy. There's a snake in my boot. Howdy, partner. My name's Woody. You're my favorite deputy. <laughs> in that order. So that's why when I see these Woody toys out at Walmart, if they don't do that, I'm I I'm offended. I'm personally offended because I am Woody. <laughs> I mean that's how crazy the world you heard is. Heard it here first. I folks. I could identify as Woody, as whatever, and and you know it was make believe, it was pretend. But today your pretend is real life. And Opa was yep. Buzz Lightyear. Opa was always Buzz. You were Buzz Lightyear. Buzz Lightyear. Opa. <laughs> Wow. To All infinity right, got, uh, and beyond. Check this oh, one out, yeah. guys. More of them. Yeah. Look who that is. Come on, Wendy. Here we go. <laughs> Peter Pan. Uh, Opa, is that you? Is that you when you still had hair? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, I was All always. Right, and the last. Oh, yeah. The close up of the Peter Pan. Are you, did you, do you, did you just, is that a knife? Is that Tinkerbell? You just like. Sadly, it's rubber. Beheaded Tinkerbell or something? What? <laughs> yeah, it kind of looks like that. No, but I, <laughs> it's like, when Opa worked, he, he worked for a company that he had to go to Disney all the time to help repair their, their clothing stuff. So I would go with him all the time. And every time we go, I would see these little girls in princess dresses. And I was like. Man, why, do, why don't they make boy stuff? The only thing they made that was boys was Peter Pan and Woody. And I, I was like, yeah, I'm Peter Pan. You know, he, he's actually, Peter Pan's probably my favorite Disney movie of all time. And it's sad what they've done to that franchise or for, with that movie, with this new one coming out. Uh, Did he ever watch Hook? Did he ever yeah, watch I, the Hook I love movie Hook. with yeah robin williams that's a great movie yeah, you know good, steven spielberg that hates that movie he hates that movie steven spielberg oh, really? yeah i don't know why i love it it's one of my favorite spielberg movies yeah so i mean we we shared those pictures open and i collaborated together to share those because we really want to get into the mind of a young up-and-coming mascot you know what does it take for somebody you know, to, to be able to perform as great as Jeremiah did during his mascot years. So he was already practicing costumes way back then. <laughs> yes, yes, I was. Yeah. You know, there's a cooler photo of me at Disneyland. And Captain Hook took my little rubber knife and I took his sword and we legit had like a battle. This is before Disney was woke and everything. But it, it was like one of the coolest things ever. Coolest photos sweet and you know just because i uh i don't want to only rag on you jeremiah with uh all the costumes uh just give me a second here I'll, i want to show you guys something you know a fun fact and courtesy of being on the spectrum again uh did you know that 
Tom Hanks, like the, the actual toys that you can get like at the store, are not voiced by Tom Hanks, those Woodies. It's voiced by his brother. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. I did not know that. That's that's pretty interesting. So his brother makes money off of Woody too. <laughs> it's kind of like, hey, bro, bro, throw you a bone, you know? You can do all my voiceover work while I'm doing other stuff, even though I think, now I think Tom Hanks is sadly, I can't say it on YouTube, but he uh, likes little kids. <laughs> well, I found the picture. So here it is, guys. It's not only Jeremiah that dressed up because of his fandom. Check Drum this roll, out. please. Oh, you still do it. Yeah, this is uh, me in, in anticipation of uh, <laughs> episode seven when it was coming out. And... Uh, I, uh, you can see I, I decked myself out to look like an epic uh, Kylo Ren and then had my fandom dashed by the bad iterations of the Disney Star Wars. Uh, however, you can see that I'm wearing a gray cloak in this video, in mm -hmm. this picture. And uh, that is a Hobbit cloak that I had and wore as a, uh, a Hobbit cloak to the... Uh, the Lord of the Rings movies, so um, I was a fanboy uh, dressing up for big movie premieres also, so you're not the only one who got really hyped up about movies and dressed up, so I, I just wanted to show you guys I mean, I, st here. I still do sometimes, like, me and my girlfriend will go to the Renaissance Festival, and uh, I'll be Captain Jack Sparrow, and I can do the... So, but where's the rum gone? You know, and little kids want photos with me and stuff. Like, it, it's pretty fun just to not be yourself for a day, you know? Hey, if you guys ever want to do something fun like that, uh, if Sierra and I come down, maybe Sierra and I and you... Dude, and, we're doing uh, it. Yeah, we. Yeah, that would be epic. That, that would be, be fun. Sweet. They are fun out here in, in Dallas. Uh, Scarborough Fair, and then there's Renfest, which is like a d biggest renaissance festival and they have like old rides and old games and like it's like you're you're in that time period it's crazy that's awesome Anyways. well i'm down man and uh with that said that's all our memes for this week all right well thank you jake for another great current news and memes opa thank you for another great opus corner and we hope you enjoyed today's episode thank you guys for being here every week and for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth subscribe and stay tuned if you would like to submit a story topic or have any other inquiries please email submit at skibanewsnation.com also you can email jeremiah skiba personally at jeremiah at skibanewsnation.com also email jake personally at jake at skibanewsnation.com if you want to write us a letter send us something help support us or just say hi Please send your letter to Jeremiah Skiba, P.O. Box 560-271, The Colony, Texas 75056. If you write us a letter, I'll do my best to write you back. Hey, Skiba News Nation family, thank you for watching. Please like, share, subscribe, and click that notification bell so you never miss an episode of Skiba News Nation. If you want to help support us, please consider becoming a Patreon, where you will get exclusive content, shoutouts, and much more. You can also support our channel by getting yourself some new Skiba News Nation merch. Thank you for coming on this journey with us as we continue to stay on the quest for truth.
Huge shout out to all our Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this show without you. If you want to help support us, go to patreon.com forward slash Nation. Also, you can listen to Skiba News Nation podcast on your favorite podcast platform.